Golden Give and do not the right time and the right time is now to listen to a podcast about the footballs. But this time we're in the same room at the same time. Will the clothes still be on by the end of the podcast or will they be on the floor? Knowing you and I, maybe in the middle. I don't think on the floor. I think it would just be like, ooh, jauntily thrown over the back of a chair or something. Keeping the t-shirt on like we're swimming abroad. And the socks. Oh yes, never forget <laughs> the socks. But welcome to the Hull and Give Football Podcast. First and foremost, up the Lionesses once again, a valiant effort in the World Cup final on Sunday. It just wasn't meant to be. But did you know that Michael Ballack is going out with the 21-year-old friends of his now deceased son? How old is Michael Ballack? Michael Ballack is 47 years of age and he's going out with model Sophia. Oh, God, here we go. Can you see the name? Schneiderhan. Schneiderhan. Sophia Spider Man. <laughs> Sophia Spider Man. After the pair apparently grew close following the untimely death of Ballack's son Emilo back in 2021 after he was crushed by his own quad bike. Ooh. But he was pictured, and I regret to say this, he was pictured in the Daily Mail, everybody, this week, necking on with Sophia Spider-Man. Ah. So, and I thought it was interesting that just to see how the former Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Germany International was getting on with his life these days. A dirty Al Balaks, it seems. A dirty Al Balaks, indeed. I didn't even mean to make a pun then. That <laughs> was a happy accident. That was you good. You never admit when it's a mistake. It's fine. It's no, fine. I, I like to be up front. That's all right. That's why they call me Crystal Clear Clive F. Crystal clear, Clive. <laughs> At this time, we must mention the Holding Give Fantasy Football League. The code is in the description down below. Not a link this week. I've sorted my arse out and I've got a code for you. Just enter the code in and join. Three weeks into the game now, but even still, after three weeks of me doing nothing, you'll still be ahead of me in the table because I am the worst FPL player this season, bar none. I'm slightly better than you, but not by much. It's a disgusting twist mm. of fate what's happening. Mm. And now we move on to the biggest and best segment of the podcast so far. It's time for Clive F's On This Day He Peace Freely. What I... happened on this day in football history? Well, <laughs> it's, it's August 23rd, 2023. Is it? It is. Bloody Nora. I was up at 5am and straight onto a train all the way up from Liverpool. And I am feeling like I've had my head kicked in. That's the last time you get to mention it, right? That's the last I mean, time. That's the last time. Okay. We're going to battle through. Yeah. Yeah. But considering my memory usually when I'm alert and peppy, we could be in for a bumpy ride. But forget today. That's just classic Clive F though, F though a bumpy ride. Uh, the, to the, oh, <laughs> oh, socks me. on, socks on. Saxophones are playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, he told me before we came down here, he plays three musical instruments. One being a saxophone, one being a bass. Was it a bass or a double bass? Bass. Just a bass. Guitar. Exactly like That's that. not how they sound at all. Yeah. And what was the third one? Violin. A violin. Mm. And I just thought he was taking the P155 because of the character that is Clive F. Mm. And those being three relatively saucy instruments to play. Yeah. But you're not, are you? No. That's a shame. Yeah. Live performance next week. Not for... Yeah, I must admit, it's been... Decades since I've touched the violin or a saxophone, and I only got to grade two on the violin and grade one on the saxophone. Uh, but they, the, if you gave me one, I could rudimentarily play it. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? I should say. Saxophone's quite hard. I just put it in your mouth and blow. No, you hey, got, you, got to, steady thou. I heard you coming down the corridor. You've got to have a good embukra, otherwise you're not going to get a sound what out of it. What the hell does that mean? Is that it's, like Kavorka? It's it's like Kavorka. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> It's the shape of your mouth on the actual... Give me the shape of your mouth while blowing on a saxophone. So, right, my thumb 
is the saxophone bit. And you've got the reed underneath here because it's a wood wind and mm. there's a slight gap. And what it's about, it's about the vibration as you blow. So you've got your teeth on the top and it's like you roll your bottom lip over your bottom teeth and put your tongue just kind of near it and blow. Now, in my look, somehow the ghost of John Coltrane will be listening and be like, that technique is bollocks, son. <laughs> but that's the basic technique for a, a reeded woodwind instrument. There you go. You live and learn, everybody. You live and learn. Unless you already knew that, which in case, fair play. Yeah. But August 23rd, 1958. Are you ready for this? That was the year my sweet mother was born. Yeah? Not on this day, though. No. July the 8th. Bit earlier. Should have been a few weeks old at this point, and no doubt being an arsehole. And she was probably at Brighton and Hove Albion's second division debut. <laughs> where they got battered 9-0 by Middlesbrough with <laughs> Brian Clough scoring five goals. He was prolific, wasn't he? While you're talking about that, I'm going to get his goal scoring record up because it's one of my favourite things. You, know, you hear Brian Clough, you just think, oh, you know, one of the greatest managers in yeah. this domestic league we've ever seen over here. But in terms of being a striker for the Ooh, better, yeah. hep the hep, hep the better, hep the better. It's one of those, one of my favourite films, despite, you know, the validity of it being questioned, is The Damned United. Yeah. And there's the bit, obviously, where he, you know, takes it on the chest, keep you up, he's at a free time, hits it on the phone, he's like, oh, no, hard goals in how many appearances? <laughs> uh, um, that I'll was... tell you, for Middlesbrough, between the years of 1955 and 1961, 222 appearances in all competitions, 204 goals. That's in the second division yeah. like, for league games and whatnot, but even still. Still. Whoa. Yeah. Ding dong, the lead trundle of his day. <laughs> Brian Clough <laughs> was the lead trundle of his day. Does that make Peter Taylor the Steve Guffey? <laughs> the brains of the operation. The Leon Britain. <laughs> so we'll, we'll jump from Brian Clough to 1978. And it was the home debut for Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa for Tottenham Hotspur. So nearly 48,000 packed into White Hart Lane. It was a ticker tape parade of a lot. Mm. Spurs lost 4-1 to Aston Villa. <laughs> the Windy Cup for Tottenham. Great, great line. They need to bring those back, those FA Cup final songs, don't they? Yeah. Is it Aussie or Ricky who says that line? It's Aussie, isn't it? I want to say the Aussie. The Windy Cup for Tottenham. I don't know if that's going to need cutting or not. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, it's, on, it's on the nose. I know it's on the nose, but yeah. that's what I do. But people whose accents you definitely can't, you know, do impersonations <laughs> of. 2015, Steven Gerrard's LA Galaxy took on Frank Lampard's New York City. Yeah. Is someone close the door? Steven Gerrard just interjected himself into a conversation. So, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it was promoted as like a clash of the titans. Uh, but Frank Lampard didn't even feature. Oh. L, LA won 5-1 thanks to a Robbie Keane brace. So All the big hitters are there. Childhood fan of LA Galaxy, Robbie Keane, you know. <laughs> Ask me dream to be here. <laughs> Knock all the accents out of the park today. I liked Robbie Keane at Liverpool. He had a good half a season, and then we thought we can get our money back. Why not? Yeah, because he, he had it. I remember the game away at Arsenal when he scored that volley. Where he's like, oh, I can I can do it. I can yeah. play for the Reds. But why didn't it work? I thought, I don't know. I thought it did. I don't know if there was like... Because me and, my, me and my, my good friend Josh, before we'd won anything, when we hadn't won anything in years, we'd keep watching that um, season review DVD. That was <laughs> that was our holding on to Alan Shearer's goal scoring record. It was like, oh, if things were different. And it, just the thing that always jumped out was, oh, Robbie Keane was, he, he had a good purple patch, but I think it was just a case of we could get the money back, if not a couple more. Yeah. Might as well. Seven goals in all competitions in 28 games for Liverpool. Which sounds worse than it was. Yeah. I just yeah. remember that one goal he got against Arsenal. Away yeah. on the half volley over Absolute his shoulder. Peach, yeah. Oh, 
And that weird kid, you were wearing a grey shirt and red shorts, I seem to recall. Yeah, we were. Disgusted. It's because our away kit, I think, was fully grey, but it would have clashed with Arsenal's home shorts. It was ish enough. Like the, the shine gray. of the grey. Yeah, the, so we had to... The mood of the stadium under Arsene Wenger. Exactly. Obviously. Dour, dour. Is that it for on this day? We only go with three, and that was pretty much all I could find. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a bumper day on the 23rd of August in, in history of all times. Anyway, on Sunday, it was the bloody World Cup final, wasn't it? The Lionesses almost got the job done, but ultimately, I think they were just outclassed by yeah. a better Spanish team. Obviously, the highlight of the entire thing, which narrowly missed out on my highlight of the week, was Mary Earps obviously saving the penalty, the whole drama about Nike not selling her shirt and whatnot. She was sticking two fingers up to them. She's becoming a hero. I've just realised I don't think that thing's recording over there. That's not supposed to be blue. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on the air, everybody. The thing's been set up differently. Owen Mawson is a genius. Anyway, Mary Earps, the penalty save, the big F off. Was yeah. Close to being my highlight of the week. Just sticking two fingers up to Nike. The, the amount of shirts they could have sold off that moment alone. I was very happy to see on social media, Nike put up their usual, like, oh, we're still, oh, we're still all lionesses at heart. And I clicked on it and said, comment section, please don't let me down. Every single comment would be like, yeah, funny way of showing it. Could have sold loads of those shirts. Everyone loves Mary Earps. She's class. Sell more shirts. Stop being a gang of gimps. Um, <laughs> oh, I've, I've... Go hard! Bit of vitriol. Keep going. I've been awake all day and I'm very tired. And that's the last time I'm allowed to mention it. Yes, it is. Up, yeah. better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it was just a well-drilled... Spain side. Um, bastards, weren't they? Mm. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of them. One of those international sides of bastards. Just yeah. a team full of bastards. I, I, bastards. I, think, I think it's the fact that the head coach is so just thoroughly unlikable <laughs> as well, added to it. <laughs> I wonder what it is, because Mikel Arteta's got a, a bit of that about him recently. You see his, his post-match interview on Monday, where obviously they got a red card, which wasn't a red card. No. He was going to be upset. And he's just like, the interview was like, oh, how did that go, uh, Mikel? He's like, very well. It was just being really sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes sarcasm can be like endearing, but sometimes you can just think, oh, what a dick. Yeah. And it was more of like, what a dick, Mikel. You're a dick, Mikel. A dickel. Dickel, dick tetter. My God. Anyway, anyway, for England fans, we're obviously wondering what might have been if the likes of Beth Mead were available from the start of the tournament. I'm wondering why Lauren James wasn't put back in the starting 11. Yes, she half stamped on somebody. Mm. Yes, that might be looked down upon in certain quarters, but we're all saying she could have got her a bit better if she tried a bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, she's one, of, she's one of, if not England's best players. So why wasn't she starting? Yeah, if, if, if it was a disciplinary reason, there's a time and place for it. And I don't think this was the time nor the place for it. Um, is there maybe the thing that they were just concerned about her fitness? Oh, oh, obviously, yeah. still would have been in training and everything, but... Two games? It was She missed two or, or one game? Two games. Two, I want to say. Two games, yeah. yeah. They're not going to lose that much fitness in a week, a week or two, are you? Mm. Surely not. Anyway, we'll speak more about the Spanish Football Federation president, Luis Rubiales, in the Twat of the Week segment. Anyway, we also saw the Super Cup this week where Manchester City won on penalties as the Bastards won another trophy. Yet again, Yusuf and Nasiri had headed to Vietnam to a first-half lead. It was a lovely goal before Cole Palmer sort of did an alley-oop of a header into the far corner past Bono, who mm. was having vertigo in the goal. I don't know what I'm doing now. Uh, it wasn't. It just it felt like a pre-season friendly, as this game always does, unless you win, I guess. Then it becomes a competitive trophy to add to your trophy cabinet. Yeah, definitely. Um, we were watching this in a bar. One of my friends was over from the America. 
So we were out just having a wonderful time. It was on the background. And as soon as um, City went behind, there was a big cheer because it was a bar in the middle of Liverpool, obviously. Yeah. And we're not petty. Um, and I thought, oh, we could be on. You know, went between bars. It's like, oh, okay, they've pulled it back. <laughs> Inevitable, I think, is the unfortunate word. Um, and I, I think everyone who's not a Man City fan just went, ah, who cares? Yeah, so. it's just a friendly, isn't it? Glorified friendly. But unless you want it. Yeah, it was a good penalty shootout, though. I enjoyed the penalty shootout. Yeah. It was a good one. I enjoy penalty shootout. Right, on to the Premier League headlines of the weekend there of Game Week 2, as the kids like to call it, Game Week 2. What did we call it back in the day? Just the same week of the league, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Today. Today, yeah. at the weekend there. Yeah. Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 1. It was mm. a funny one for those red men, because no way is that a penalty on Sabasly. Yeah, he but went the, down easily. He went down too early as well, didn't he? Yeah. And then it was also no way a red card for Gary Mack. Anything else to report on apart from those things that shouldn't have been but were? Um, in terms of the actual game, we were a bit messy, but the fact that we turned it around is positive. I don't know if we're going to try and return to the heavy metal days when we didn't really have a game plan apart from just get forward and hit stuff. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Soberslide, despite his you know terrible diving skills, he looks good, doesn't he? He looks very good. I uh, don't like that because Newcastle were heavily linked with him and we didn't get him. Yeah. And I'm now thinking, ooh. Yeah, but you've got Sandro Tonale. Has got a song yet? I assume he has. You love his song. Um, sing song with you. Dominic Sabaslai. <laughs> now, um, everyone's still like debating how to actually say his name, even though he confirmed it and everyone just kind of went, ah, oh, we just call him So Boss. <laughs> He's just so boss, la. Fits in as well, Liverpool, yeah. isn't it? Boss, that, la. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm not being rude. I, I took me notes on my phone. You read your notes. This was the only, I, I'll come clean, this was the only match I watched live this weekend because I had a wedding on. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Congratulations to not me. Um, oh, I thought it was Mr. Holder, Mrs. Gibb finally getting married. No, it was my friends, Tom and Jenny. Oh, up the Tom and Jenny. Yeah, good. He's wow, not, Tom and Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> He's an Arsenal fan as well. Um, and she's a cat. She is. <laughs> no, Jerry was the mouse. Jerry was the mouse. She's a mouse. But the, the main thing was, um, going away from this, was that that wasn't a red. And everyone said that's not a red, apart from, I can't remember, who was the retired ref in the studio who... Mike Dean on Sky Sports, uh, or was yeah. it somebody else? I can't remember. So someone basically just like... Because as we said before, the refs are it's a bit of a boys' club. Um, but then we were kicking off because... It was Paul Tierney on VAR, who, whether consciously or unconsciously, I think you can argue there's a bias now. Go on then, why? Because him and Klopp have clashed publicly. And with Klopp saying last year, I don't really like him. He's been involved in our games too much. Like I said, it could be an unconscious bias. I'm not saying that kind of stuff. But his assistant was uh, Hatsidakis, the one who elbowed Andy Robertson as well. <laughs> so we oh, elbowed. Well, still... <laughs> Still, I guess contact was made. And not only that, Hatsidakis is also going to be part of the team for Liverpool versus Newcastle next week. Up the tune. So, <laughs> it was terrible refereeing. You could see in McAllister's face, he was like, what? And I know... It's just the fact that whoever he... Who was it he put the boot in on? I can't remember, but it was... He got there a millisecond earlier. They were both at the same height, basically. Same height. <laughs> Foot side on, and when you go in slow motion, his eyes on the ball, and like if it would have been the other way around, would that have been a red card? And he doesn't even make that much. No, no, obviously intent and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's a really soft. He sort of dangles his leg in there. But it was, it was less. Give it the full yeah uh, Harland Keen trip treatment from back well, in the day. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, 
first of all, I mean, it's not even really questions on the ref on the pitch because we just be like, oh, that's a bit harsh, but it's beginning of the season, new rules, et cetera, et cetera, which we'll come into in a bit. But it's the fact that the VAR team are like, oh, no, that's fine. And it's like, it's not, though. It's been rescinded. So we have got McAllister for Newcastle, but everyone... But I'm happy about that because apparently he's not had a very good start like when he's been on the pitch. Yes, but he's been played out of position and now we've got... Um, Endo, not Hendo. Endo. Endo in six. Who looked, he looked sound when he, he came looked on. Like, you know, he looked like Kevin Ball. Yeah. Uh, he looked tenacious. He looked small, like a little mangy dog. I take that as a back. I regret saying mangy dog. You know what I mean, though? Little terrier. Yeah. Rawr. Yeah. Nipping, Nipping at your ankles. Yeah. yeah. But I, he, he looked sound. When we went down to 10 men, it almost, it didn't help us, but we kind of focused. And because we actually had a number six playing in the number six, and Sobersly was like, I'm going to be dead handsome and slalom up the pitch. <laughs> Um, just imagine Bruce Forsyth there just going to the eight-yard box. Oh, imagine that. Oh, Silky. <laughs> but yeah, it's that's another referee in shambles. And I'm glad that ev- it wasn't just Liverpool fans going, oh, it's rubbish that I saw Man U fans on Twitter. I saw City fans, Arsenal fans, obviously Gary Lineker, Shearer. Supported. Everybody with a set of eyes that work could see that wasn't a red card. Yeah. The thing I learned this week, apparently he was given the option, the on-field referee, to go to the VIR screen and have a look at it, but he turned that option down, mm. which I think needs to be changed as a rule. Mm. If someone who has access to multiple camera angles and obviously replays and whatnot goes, maybe you've not seen that right in real time, go and have a look at the screen. They should be made to go and look. They shouldn't be able to turn it down. It's like I've said before, though, it's the arrogance of the refs sometimes. Yeah, you need to just swallow it, don't you? We we'll all get three things wrong. Look, I can't even say a sentence. Yeah. I don't get that wrong all the time. Yeah. But I'll carry on. You've, <laughs> you've, you've seen my you know conduct on this podcast. I'm rubbish. So. who? <laughs> Rainer. It was Pepe Reina. If you know, you know. Anyway, we go from Liverpool 2, Spurs 2, Manchester United nil. We go to Bruno, uh, Bruno's Rabona. Easy sentence for me to say. And then he misses a centre header in the middle of the six-yard box. That was his, like, yin and yang performance. He's yeah. my, um, my vice captain on FPL, and I'm considering getting rid of him already because he is useless. Mm. He's, He's not useless. He's just having a bad start to the season in the bad team, I think. Yeah, it's... Sorry, an underperforming team. Manchester United fans don't like the fact I don't like Man United. So I'm going to say underperforming team. Underperforming team. I mean, you're not going to get too much defence from me either when it comes to Man United. But um, what I saw, again, preface it with watching highlights. Highlights can give you a sense of the match, obviously, but it's not the same as watching it live. It looked very end-to-end, but not in a kind of, ooh, dynamic attacking way. It just seemed like both midfields were a bit open. Yeah, the first half was definitely like a basketball game and then Spurs just sort of took more control in the second half. But once again, Man United, uh, the the handball on Romero didn't go for them. You've seen mm-hmm. them giving his hand was sort of up here. It's away from the body. It's an unnatural position. I just think they're making up the rules as they go along because last season that would have been a penalty. Yeah. No doubt if it happens in a couple of weeks' time in some other game, it'll be a penalty, but it wasn't here for whatever reason. And then Man United themselves get away with another one. A clear foul from Martinez on Romero for me. The ball was away. It was like in front of him. He just sort of clashes into him. Yeah. Down he goes. And he kicks the ball at a man who's down, rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, and it... <laughs> especially while we're saying that you know new rules and they're trying to make it seem like more of a clean sporting affair and when we've had a couple of odd decisions and then you see something which is quite I wouldn't say a lack of sportsmanship but it's a bit on the nose and in the context of this season already you'd be like oh that's probably a yellow card 
Yeah. Not a yellow card for me, but in the context of the season. They need to change that rule. This giving a yellow card for people going like, oh yeah, just give him a, a waggy finger. That's all that's worth. Sure, mm. not a yellow card. Bring in a rugby sin bit. Don't bring that, <laughs> don't bring that in. <laughs> and then obviously Martinez then went out to slice into his own net, own net later. So that's a bit of karma for him there. Lol, Bazinga. Um, but Spurs look very impressive for me. That midfield duo of Pepe Sarr mm. and uh, what's his name? Basuma. Yeah. Looked very, very good together. They, they definitely seem to wake up. Not just the team but the crowd as well after that first one went in um they were looking sound going forward i thought they were just going to look absolutely dejected without harry kane but yeah. they've early days but they seem to have shaken it off already it's like a, a, a slightly less egregious example of crystal palace doing relatively well with jordan Ayew as a center forward <laughs> they've got Richarlison up there at spurs yet they're still doing quite well yeah <laughs> what's he do? what what is he what what's 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 Richarlison? Apart from that really good goal in the World Cup, he's a bit crap, isn't he? <laughs> it's terrible. But yeah, I'm looking very good in my prediction from the uh, the start of the season, saying the Spurs will be the dark horse of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> Manchester City 1, Newcastle nil. Anthony Gordon, I've got to say, was very lucky not to be sent off. He sort of raked one down uh, Diaz's card in the first half. Only yellow, he had another sort of late tackle, kind of, in the second half. But you've seen them given in the world of football, haven't you? Mm. I thought it was a hell of a strike from Alvarez. Um, but uh, it was an example of how the high press does not work if every single person is not doing the same thing in unison because that one pass when Gordon wasn't quite where he should have been it just split the entire team open which <coughs> was a shame excuse me this uh, this kind of uh, LucasAid Energy is backfiring on me somewhat that is LucasAid Energy <laughs> <laughs> the whole your football podcast never to be sponsored by LucasAid because we'll never be big enough to get their attention so in terms <laughs> of... <laughs> for uh, Anthony Gordon because I was really impressed with him opening weekend how did he play across the 90 this time didn't really do much. No. Then again, it was I've written down in my notes here, just watching the game. I was, you know, a bit seven sheets, seven sheets to the wind, I should say, because mm. I was having those. Uh, what was it called? God, the beer. I've forgotten the name of it. It's got two C's. Cope, Forgotten the name of it, but it's absolute rocket fuel. It's only four percent, but they put something in there which sends you to the wild, wild west. Let me tell you. None of this means anything to me. Cruz Campo, that's his name. Oh, if you want to have a good night out, drink Cruz Campo. Or alternatively. <laughs> Water, and then go and get some chicken afterwards. <laughs> Cruz Campo, the sponsor. No, no. Um, but yeah, it was, it was sort of like the Carabao Cup final because it's sort of like I don't know if Newcastle fans sort of like around our table. We sort of take the piss, going, oh, it's, it's, "It could be a title decider come the end of the season." Even though I think we're all going to be buzzing off with tits if we finish fourth again. Mm. To be honest with you, but again, we just we just didn't lay a glove on them. I think we had that that chance in the second half where Wilson was running through one-on-one against Gavardiol. And if that was Isaac, who Wilson came on for, I think we might have got a shot away at goal. But the fact that it was Wilson, that was like our best chance blown. Yeah. And apart from that, we didn't really do anything to them. But there's been a lot of like going like in the Newcastle fan base on Twitter, which I know is a horrible thing to just look at in, in the first place. But it's all like, oh, we went there and didn't do anything. We went there and we got beat. We should be get, we should be doing better. We should be at least scoring. And I'm like... It's Man City. I live through, <laughs> I live through Pardew. I live through Kinnear. I live through... Well, I was alive when Ozzy Ardiles was the manager. <laughs> We've seen a lot worse times. We're not Everton, for example. Yeah. We've got away to the best club side in Europe and we've lost 1-0 where we could have played better. That's an all right position for me to be in as a Newcastle fan. Yeah. So going into uh, Liverpool's opening three fixture, fixtures I think if you would have said to us before ball was kicked five points out of Chelsea, Bournemouth and Newcastle take that how are you feeling going into Newcastle-Liverpool next week? A point will do me yeah. after last season because I think not really expectation was there but we're sort of like oh we're looking quite good this season because you caught us at a good time at St James's because we're sort of gearing up for the Carabao Cup final it's that little 
weird patch that all teams, I think, who don't get a regular final go through where they just sort of like hold back a bit yeah. before the big final itself. Obviously, Nick Pope did what he did, which didn't help things either. But I think you, you pretty much deserved to win on the day. We had a fair few chances, but I think you, you edged it. It was egregious what happened at Anfield, obviously, last season. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I, I, I don't honestly take a point because it would just show progress from last season, which is what you want in a football team, isn't it? I, I'd take a point as well because, like you said, Newcastle are a good team. Even though it, it as ridiculous as what you were saying, some of the fans on Twitter were, surely it's good for the fan base to, as a whole to finally have some positivity around the football. Yeah, Bruno clapped back at one of them because one of the accounts, one of these fan accounts, who I think are based in Denmark, they were like, oh, is it early... Is it early enough to start like digging out individual players? And there was a picture which featured Bruno, who's been like the star man since he arrived. Yeah. And he clapped back saying, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> the stuff we've done in 18 months, we're in the Champions League, for goodness sake. Yeah. Give your head a wobble. And just the reaction to that has been, because we're still thinking like, oh God, the transfer window's open. It's Bruno. He's going to go at the first chance he gets. Stay away, Real Madrid. And stuff like that won't help on social media. But uh, it was nice to see the fans rallying around Bruno. But... The thought, it's just, it's its so, you can tell it's people who weren't there in the bad times coming back now. And it's like, oh, we should be winning all the time. Mm. We're the richest owners in the world. Piss off with you. It takes time. Look, look how long it took for City to get cooking. Yeah. It's going to take a couple of seasons. But I do feel bad for the person who works for Amazon who dropped the biggest bollock he could have dropped off. She could have dropped it. They could have dropped it over the weekend there because they released a teaser trailer, their trailer for the episodes three and four of the Amazon documentary that Newcastle are featuring in at the moment. And they just basically dropped the, the I think, the hook and the entire purpose of the, 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 the documentary sort of being released as it is. The nice surprise at the end that Adidas are going to be coming back as Newcastle's uh, sort of like kit supplier next mm. season. And obviously, off the back of that, Adidas had to announce that they're going to re- release something on the 1st of September. So someone's going to lose their job. Lol, Bazinga. It's a big bollock to drop that in. Regardless, I take it you're all very happy that Adidas are oh, back. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a little bit because I've been doing these uh, tier lists with the kits with Kayla and Adidas have had a bad season. Mm. You think about the Manchester United away with the stripes, mm. the Arsenal away with the squiggly lines. They've had a, a bit of a bad season. So hopefully, they'll just go back to basics with Newcastle. Just give us a granddad colour. That's all we want. It's yeah, I think when Liverpool went back to Adidas, I want to say two thousand and five, six or six, seven, six, seven. Yeah, I remember that Community Shield you played against Chelsea. Yeah, I don't know why. Because yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I just remember that on the official Liverpool store in Liverpool, they had you know the stripe sprayed all over it, and Liverpool being a, a you know typically Adidas city. It's weird that how much like a kit change like that because it brings up these strong feelings of nostalgia. Oh, I was I was born in '92, and I think Adidas became our supplier in '95. Mm. So when I was becoming conscious of football, it was NTL sponsor Adidas up there. Yeah. Obviously, the Brown Hill sponsor. I don't think that'll ever come back, but there we go. No, it's, yeah, I can't wait. Adidas is the kid sponsor again. I'm more excited for like the because I was looking at Man United's website, thinking, oh, what sort of stuff we're going to get? They have like Adidas Originals range where it features the badge somewhere. I'm mm. excited for that. You might get a good campaign out of it. Obviously, with the Arsenal campaigns where they've had former players. The retro stuff. Yeah. Get uh, get Tino a sprayer and a <laughs> brand new kit. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> He's too busy shagging. Anyway, <laughs> elsewhere in that Manchester City-Newcastle game, we had the moment where Pep was shouting at the fans who were calling for a substitution to be made. That insecure, weird little man was like, ah, come on here, then you do it, you knobhead. This What's is doing? This is why I, I feel when people say, oh, I hate Jürgen Klopp. I'm like, yeah, I can understand why you get on your nerves, but at least he's semi-likeable, unlike Pep Guardiola. I don't know, after that bit with the fan trying to get his shirt signed in the summer there, mm. Klopp lost it all for me there. Yeah. You can see that true colours are shining through there. He, he, Hold the effing thing straight, whatever he said. He wasn't happy about the Liverpool fans singing the Jürgen Klopp side the, uh, song the other day. Because it's a superstition or something, is it? 
I'm not too, even too sure. I've, I don't know his reasons for it. I just heard loads of people kicking off, just saying, well, no, we'll sing what we want. It's our team, Jürgen, not yours. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know now. Uh, just rename it to JKFC. After the lead singer, Jamiroquai. <laughs> and the fastest man ever down on the Top Gear track. I remember <laughs> that from the childhood anyway. Fulham nil, Brentford three. Uh, Brian Burmo is now the world's best centre forward after missing 90% of his chances since he's been a Premier League footballer, it feels like. Yes, his two goals here were a pen and a tapping, but they all count. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Get him anywhere you can. It's a Diop as uh, his sloppy back pass as well allowed uh, Wissa in, or Vissa, I don't know how you pronounce it, uh, in for the first one. They're doing all right without Tony, aren't they? Yeah. I mean... Fulham are looking shaky, mm. especially against uh, Everton the opening weekend as well, where if Everton could finish their dinner, that would have... Oh, they should have won that game handsomely. Exactly. Because yeah. um, going into it, I think we all thought, oh, Fulham, Fulham will be all right, I thought. But, oh, I don't know. I like Brentford are a good side, nothing against Brentford, but lose 3-0 at home, I wouldn't have predicted that. Paulini, aren't they? Yeah, really they are. Oh, they are. They need, they, need, they need that steel. They need that stability. The endo. I'm waking up they a bit. They need endo. The, yeah. <laughs> Get endo in there. Everyone needs endo. Give it endo end of the season. Up the endo. Friday night football, we saw Nottingham Forest 2, Sheffield United 1. A proper header from I1. I've always bugger up his pronunciation. Forest centre forward. The one that used to start, he started his career at Liverpool, didn't he? I'm going to say... Awani. That'll do. Awani. Uh, his header was unbelievable. He scored for us last six goals in a row. So he's very, very important to them. There was a lovely Sven Bender from the outside of the area from uh, Gustavo Hamer for the Red and White Wizards. And then Christopher Wood, as I live and breathe, he scores a goal with a lovely flick header <laughs> right across the goal to the far corner. Such a lovely depth finish from such a big, clumsy oaf. Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the, these... You're saying, again, second week, but I think these are the results that are really going to matter at the end of the season, yeah. especially what, for the best will in the world. I think Forest and Sheffield United are going to be scrapping it to try and get out of that relegation zone. But Forest, yeah, they, they needed the win. You would have expected the win. Sheffield United, they just they were doomed before it even started. Before they? we got came on the air here, the air here, mm. I think they've put in a big bid for somebody. Let me have a look Better at that. Better not be Endo, that's all I'm saying. What's the next game, Jag, as well? Look at who Sheffield... Yeah, I'm sure it was like £18 million. Ooh. Well, on Sunday, it was West Ham. West Ham. Against Chelsea. Cameron uh, Archer, that's who it was. The one who was on loan after the better. How much is... The second half of last season, £18 million. Has been accepted. It has. Medical's Ooh. been booked. Uh, Villa will retain a buyback clause. Uh, it's part of the process, apparently, according to Fabrizio Romano, mm. who apparently... I saw he's like the, the second most influential Twitter account on Twitter at the moment, which means he makes upwards of £100,000 a tweet or something. Was Ridiculous. It, is he behind Elon Musk, I think? Yeah, I don't know, probably. But then Elon, apparently, a certain percentage of his followers all have like no followers. So they're all bots. Hey. He's propping himself up, aren't they? Of course he is. Dickhead. <laughs> uh, but uh, West Ham, they somehow with 10 men, they beat their London rivals Chelsea. James Ward Prowse already shown his worth with the corner oh. for the opener for a good at uh, the back stick to stick in the header, who later saw a second yellow card for a stupid tackle. Yep. What's he doing with his life? Uh, referee John Brooks awarded a pen after Ariola took down Jackson up front, who's he's if he doesn't score against Luton this I think it's on Friday night for my FPL team, he's He's gone. Are you being that ruthless this year? Come on now. He's full of running. He's full of energy. I like watching him play. But so far, I've watched the two games he's played in full in the league. And he's not really come close to getting on the end of anything so far. So no. it looks a bit like, I don't even know. Just I, I feel bad for him because like, the service isn't there. But then again, I'm asking, like, come on. 
Yeah. Luton at home. Let's go. That's poor Luton. Whipping boys. They are the whipping boys, but they did sign Tim Cruel this week, did Luton, I saw. How old's Tim Cruel now? Ah, he must be mid-30s now. Yeah. Remember his debut away at Palermo in the UEFA Cup back in 2006? Halcyon days. A goalkeeping <laughs> crisis. Who saves the day? <laughs> Timmy Cruel. Anyway, back to West Ham 3, Chelsea 1. Carly Chukwemeka scores an unbelievable ah, he's, he's class, Chukwemeka. Oh, chop back and he yeah. swaz it in the far corner. Love little Sven Bender there from him as well. It was a shame he went off injured at half-time. Ariola then had never saved a penalty um, in the Premier League, I should say. Enzo Fernandez obviously hasn't scored a goal yet in the Premier League and the keeper came out on top and the never men who have never done things yes contest <laughs> <laughs> and then Mikel Antonio who appears to get a lot of pelters from West Ham fans even though I can see where the frustrations are because he's not the most prolific but he puts in a hell of a shift every time he plays them an unreal strike in the second half sort of bullying who was it was it Thiago Silva I think no it was um, De Sassi uh, the bullying sort of decisive then getting that yard of space and finding it through his legs into the far corner. Arrowed, I've written down there. Yeah. Three up the arrows. Oh, Michael Antonio there for you. Well, p- p- playing darts. <laughs> <laughs> Mug of ale. Bifter hanging out the corner of his mouth. Wonderful. But, but obviously the big thing people are talking about is Caicedo coming on for his debut. £115 million. Liverpool fans devastated that he didn't sign for. The Reds. Yes. Oh, we love a bit of Schadenfreude, though. <laughs> <laughs> he came on and he had an absolute mare. There's a list somewhere on Twitter that some petty arsehole took that they would just listen down every single mistake he did when he came on. It seemed like nothing went right. And then obviously he brought down Emerson in dying embers of the game for a penalty. Luca Pacatar doing something productive for his team instead of his own bank account and stoppage time for the first time in a while. Yeah. Ooh, 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 look at me go with the sassy jibes. Uh, he was putting in the penalty to seal the 3-1 win. I thought it was a brilliant game. Yeah, I it was on in the background. I saw bits and bobs. I went to, I went to my parents for a roast on Sunday. Ooh. Yeah, first time seeing my parents for a while. Didn't hurt your feelings too bad, did they? Hey, hey. You went for a roast. You know, yeah, comedy roast. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was good. Took me Yeah, yeah. Um, West. This this is the West Ham I thought we'd see last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were saying before the season had started when we were making our predictions, we'd like this is make or break for Mo- David Moyes. He's not Cockney, but West <laughs> West Ham are Cockney. Are they? <laughs> yeah. You never tell with all the flat caps and flat caps, all the flat caps. And the pie and mash. Yeah. And babble and squeak. Jelly nails. Chicken cottage. It's a different world down there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Terrified about going down on the weekend there. Why? Just I don't like it. Too busy. I love London. Too busy. Yeah. Too busy. Not enough grass. Just get some Stone Island on. Get the badge in. Oh, I can't get the badge in. You say you're going to be terrified. 80,000 wrestling fans. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> if they can survive, we'll make it through. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it, it's yeah. As we were saying, oh, he knows things gone. Make or break season, but it seems like they are riding that crest of the wave from the European win. Because um, it was going to go one or two ways after obviously Declan Rice leaves, but mm. it looks like they've replaced him very well indeed with JWP. J, the JWP is JWP called. and the old Alvarez from Ajax as well. Yeah, they came on and looked a bit of a menace when he came on. They've spent wisely so far. He looked like a bit of an endo. Bit of an endo. He's getting mentioned again. West Ham are a team full of endos, aren't they? Yeah. Apart from Pakatar. He's not an endo. He's not an endo, is he? This is a <laughs> a slight a slight detour, actually. I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but while I'm on Sunday and thinking about being home, did you see who I found on Sunday? Did I see who you found? Who I found. Are they alive or dead? They are dead. They're dead? Mm. I was making a little joke there. No, I found I found someone dead who I didn't realise where they were or how important they were. So I am from 
the Wirral, the Wirral Peninsula, the Pleasure Peninsula. You're a wool. I'm a yeah, I'm a wool. Over the water. I'm from over the water from <laughs> from Jamaica, apparently, gone to us. And the, the local graveyard right by me, literally a three minute walk. I found on the Athletic the other day an article which mentioned this graveyard because buried in this cemetery that I've been through a thousand times in my life is Arthur Johnson. Who on earth is Arthur Johnson? He was the first person to ever score for Real Madrid. What? And won the um, Copa del Rey four times as a player and once as a manager and helped found the amateur side that was Madrid and was their manager until they got the Royal Uh, Seal. Yeah. Wow. And he died in Wallasey and he was buried in this cemetery that I've been going to since I was a baby. No, I didn't go to the cemetery as a baby. There's a park attached to it, but... Yeah, it was just, there was a, a thing in The Athletic the other day uh, talking about Jude Bellingham and saying, oh, you know, he's the latest Englishman to score for Real Madrid, but yeah. who was the first? And there's just this tiny grave, doesn't say anything about Real Madrid. And when you go into the graveyard, there's a thing at the beginning that says Commonwealth graves and war graves. So I'm, I'm actually thinking about getting, maybe not a campaign, but right into the cemetery and being like, look, how, this is... How did he end up there? Like, do you know anything about him apart from what you just said there? No, he's, um, I think he's, he was Irish, went over to Spain and obviously... Because I mentioned it to Sean, he's like, oh, well, what was he doing playing for Real Madrid? But obviously AC Milan was formed by an English bootmaker, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, or lace maker. Um, as the game started getting organised in England, we took it across Europe and they formed like the amateur side of Madrid. But yeah. and he's, guy. Yeah, I, he, I think he finished with Real Madrid in 1920 and then died in England in like 1925. But oh. it just happened to be in my hometown. Wow. And Sean was like, what was he doing here? But I was like, oh, well, the beginning of the 1900s, Liverpool and the surrounding areas is a boom town. But that's why I was over at my mum. She's like, do you want to come for a roast? I went, yes, because I need to go to the graveyard. <laughs> and that's why I missed most of West Ham versus Chelsea. <laughs> so there you go. That's a lovely little story, that, though. Yeah. Well, do a deep dive on Big Arthur. Yeah. I, I assume he was Big Arthur. He sounds like a he big must Arthur. have been. But I put, I, put it, I put it on my Instagram story and loads of my friends from the area just saying, what? And I was like, four-time Copa del Rey winning player. The first ever player to score for Real Madrid. Ever. <laughs> Ever. And he's buried right by the Asda. <laughs> Get him a shrine erected. Anyway, we move on yeah. to Aston Villa. Foa, Everton nil. First and foremost, I think you've got to feel a bit sorry for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, out injured for so long. He comes back. I think his dad put a status on Facebook after the game saying he's not looked as fit as he has done for, for a, a while. Then he gets a big clatter from the goalkeeper. His eyes swelling up. He has to go off. Mm. He just can't catch a break, can he? Nah. Uh I am worrying for Everton. Oh, they look rotten. Yeah. They looked horrible, especially with the two mistakes from Keane uh, for the third goal, Ashley Young with that horrible throw in for the fourth goal. Yeah. They just looked completely outclassed by Villa, who obviously were dicked on by Newcastle on the first weekend. So it's not looking good for Everton. It wasn't a good time to play Villa for a start, but I saw my niece and nephew last night. My nephew's an Everton fan, and we talked about it, and he said he's already looking to next season and thinking, right, we'll, we'll be on the road. Might, might go to Middlesbrough or whatever, who knows. Um, it must be such a worry, though, with that new stadium and the finances going into that, obviously, and all of, you know. Yeah. But I guess you look at you look at the deal Southampton were potentially turning down, and you must think parachute payments are going to be a literal lifesaver for Everton, surely, if they do go down. Yeah. I mean, there's not even that many saleable assets in the team. I, was, I found out a lot of the Everton fans... They hate Alex Awobi, and for my money, he's one of their best players. I, turned, I know they hated him and they turned it around. No, some of them still hate him. Apparently, oh. my brother can't stand him. 
And my, my nephew was there yesterday criticizing his dad eating chips. Just like, my dad doesn't even know ball. And I was like, yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> I was like, luckily your uncle does. It's fine. I but, reckon if he played for Newcastle, he'd be a bit of a James Perch, a bit of a cult hero. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was just more the fact that there was the level of expectation. There was the previous clubs he played for. There was the bit of the... It was when Everton were not spunking money, but they were throwing it well, about a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Let's not beat around the bush. But I like Roby. But they have got an uphill battle. It's the signings, isn't it, though? It's just mm. like, what are you signing Ashley Young for? Mm. I know he's tried and tested, but he's 40 years old. 38 yeah. years old, but we're splitting hairs there. Almost as old as me. Yeah. Almost as old as you. Yeah. It's all the way around, really. He's only 32. Look at him. In the prime of his life. 34. I'll try and make a. <laughs> Try to be complimentary. Anyway, Crystal Palace <laughs> nil, Arsenal nil on Monday. Oh, sorry, Arsenal won on Monday night. Written down the wrong bloody scoreline there. Arsenal looked in control for most of the game, but I get the only thing we're talking about was that Tommy Asu red card. The first yellow card he gets, even though Kai Havertz, I think it was before him, held the ball for twice as long as he did, but the referee came down on Tommy Asu. And in the second yellow card, Ayu on the spin, he sort of just goes and barely touches him with the end of his fingers, but Ayu goes down and it's his second yellow and he's gone. It's It's... I hate the fact that we are talking about the referees two weeks on the bounce, okay. and it's the first two weeks. Obviously, these are going to be contentious decisions, but this weekend alone, quite a few sending-offs, and two of them were definitely bad, bad calls. Yeah. Um, game's gone as the... It as has. The, just changing too many rules for the sake of changing rules at the minute, mm -hmm. it feels like. like what was The game wasn't broken in the 90s. Yeah, the last significant rule change that made complete sense and benefited the game was surely the keepers, the back pass rule. Yeah. Apart from that, what rule that has changed recently since then has really benefited the game and brought it forward? Well, I've told you how much I don't like the rule for goalkeepers and penalties on the line. Yeah, I don't like that. That's oh. why. That's why we're getting high scoring penalty shootouts. That's what you want, though, isn't it? Not? No, you want you want you want an even and fair contest. <laughs> um, Says the Liverpool fan after Jersey Dudek in two thousand and five. Exactly, and without rascal. Jersey, without Jersey, do that in two thousand and five, wouldn't have got that. You rascal! We didn't deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be honest, we didn't deserve to win in Istanbul at all. Aye, but they said enough. Mikel Arteta's reaction after the game it overshadowed the game once again. Um, Eddie and Ketia, I thought had a decent game. He should have yeah. scored a few chances, but you know the pressure's on still for him. Obviously, with Gabriel Jesus hiding around in the background while he's still injured. Have Arsenal uh, appealed the red card? I don't know, but they should do. They should. Can you appeal two yellows and a red? Obviously, you can if it's a straight red. Ooh, I'm not too sure. Ooh, because you never used to be able to, but no doubt they'll probably change that rule. But, yeah, so, Well, if the yellow card happens between the 16th and 90th minute, you can't appeal, but if it happens before then, you can. Mm. Something stupid like that. I hate the Why are they changing it? Get rid of VAR. Get rid of all these stupid rules changes this season. It's, that one where injured players have to stay off the field for 30 seconds as well, by the way. That's yeah. the one that really grinds my tits, let me tell you. Yeah. They've ground them down so much they're actual pecs now. <laughs> no, I was going to say no one likes the tits grinders, but it sounds like it's had a positive outcome. The productive thing, yeah. But yeah. why do they have to stay off for 30 seconds? That benefits the team who potentially have injured a player who's yeah. getting checked on. It, it's, it's mixed messages considering they're taking all these like card-heavy approaches to slight collisions. It's a, it's, it's a contact sport, as right said Fred said before they went down the right-wing rabbit hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, just bring the game back to what it was when we were when we were bands, as yeah. we say up here in Newcastle. On to football news elsewhere in the world this week of the past seven days. Manchester United CEO Richard Arnold had written an open letter to fans explaining the decision made regarding Mason Greenwood's future. Obviously, it was like 
he's coming back, then he wasn't coming back. Now he's been told to, to continue his career elsewhere. The club did confirm in this letter they came to an agreement with Greenwood that the player will continue his footballing career elsewhere after an inter international investigation regarding their certain charges that will get this video flagged by YouTube gods if we say what they are. But you all know what they are, don't we? Um, Greenwood was suspended by Man United in January 2022 after the player was charged with you know what? I wish we could say it, but it's the world. I don't know what they're doing. Change the YouTube rules as well. Yeah, I've missed 2016 so much. Then Logan Paul ruined it for everybody with that video. Yeah, because the the one that frightened me was the fact that the C word is classed as hate speech, mm. but because it is in America and attack against women, but it's not in Australia, Scotland, most northern towns. Yeah, it's uh, all southern towns. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Um, yeah, it's it's getting a bit it's getting a bit not nanny stakes. That makes me sound like a Daily Mail reader, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. getting a bit. Uh, come on, let's 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 be grown up about yeah. it. But the charges were dropped in February 2023 due to what the Crown Prosecution cited as a combination of the withdrawal of key witnesses and new material that came to light that meant it was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction. The interesting part of Arnold's statement for me is when he's saying things like while we're, while we were unable to access certain evidence. For reasons we respect, the evidence we did collate led us to conclude that Mason did not commit the acts he was charged with. He then goes on to say later on in the statement, while I was satisfied that Mason did not commit the acts he was charged with, Mason's accepted that he's made mistakes and takes rep responsibility for. We'll speak more on the sort of the the, the, the sort of yo-yoing of the decision, the going back on the initial decision later on in the podcast in a certain section called the highlight of the week. But what's your sort of reaction to what's gone on with Mason Greenwood over the past seven days? Uh, it's been a mess I think is the easiest way to put it because there was all the furore about when he was spotted in training and um, the countdown presenter who's a bit of a lunatic as well was like really she said she would stop supporting my United if he continued to play for them didn't she? Yeah which you know like her or dislike her it's, it's a prominent voice speaking out about it um, I think any other walk of life after such things like that, you are likely to lose your job. And we've seen with other cases around this, it's so hard to talk around it, but cases of this sort of nature, the players have had their contracts terminated or they've been you know, kicked out or whatever. That's not to say that they shouldn't be able to earn a living, but they shouldn't be on the highest pedestal. Because I think he's been paid the entire time. Like yeah. He's missing from the game, which is what slaps you. It's just, it's... Yeah. Not right, is it? No. Because um, obviously, you, I think most of us who heard the audio, the mind was made up then, and it was just sort of like, what they're waiting for? Why have they not sacked the guy? Because mm. it, it seemed like it was clear as day. But if they've done this investigation and they've found, you know, he's, Arnold saying he's satisfied that Mason did not commit the acts he was charged with. I, it's, it's done. Surely United would have known anything other than a termination would have been a PR disaster. Yeah. I'd, I'd, obviously, there's the human side of the story, but we're just trying to look at the football and business side of it it's yeah man united's like kind of like pr side have not hit many right notes this season already it's just the longer and longer it went on yeah it's not like why is it taking so long to get to a conclusion like this uh, like we we're saying the second there was rumblings on it and people were aghast and they were just like no nah, you can't no let's let's not do this yeah 
like you said, it rumbled on and on. And by the time it was all concluded, it was a little too late, wasn't it? Yeah, and it took what will be the well, my nomination for the highlight of the week to sort of change the decision. Because it did, it did just feel like they were just waiting and waiting and waiting for that reason to bring him back. Yeah. Just because of who he was, you go to, like you're saying earlier there, like his how who he is has sort of kept him in the job. If this was like, you know, the third choice goalkeeper or whatever, I think he would yeah. have been shown the door. But it's just the fact he is or was one of the, you know, the brightest sparks in English football sort of kept him where he is, which just isn't right. No, it's not. It isn't right at all. No. It's not. No. Well, I don't know what else to say there. Yeah. It's such a difficult thing to talk about. Uh, well, no, I don't think it is. He should have just been sacked. Get him gone. Well, he should have been sacked. I mean, it's it's not difficult in the terms of having a conversation. It's difficult in the terms of having a conversation on a platform which is a bit, you know... What was he going to get, you know... Yeah, happy with the banhammer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but there we go. Uh, well, obviously, speak about it a little bit more later in the podcast. Elsewhere in the world of football, Ben Foster has announced his retirement from professional football four games into Wrexham's League Two season. The goalkeeper obviously retired at the end of the, the what would season have been, the 21-22 season when he was at Watford. But he came out of retirement in March to help Wrexham seal their eventual return to League Two and what was, at the time, fantastic. He could yeah. have wrote a Hollywood script that was better than it. Yeah. And obviously, Ben Foster, he's, he's got a... Uh, I wouldn't even say a cult following. He's just got a following online. So Global following? You saw yeah. that from the... Do you watch the vlogs in America or Wrexham at the start of the season? No, no. I watched the documentary series, but as I've been kind of like avoiding Wrexham to, as stupid as the sounds go, spoiler free into the next season. <laughs> like when Sean found out they got promoted, she was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's real life. But um, yeah, it, it, it seemed like the perfect marriage, wasn't it? Yeah. But then it seems to be that he's just using the club for his um, his own personal game rather than, you know, what he can do on the football field because so far in those four games he's conceded 13 goals and has now admitted that he no longer feels he's able to perform at the high enough standard to continue playing in League 2. He says, The honest truth that my performances this season haven't reached the levels I demand of myself and I feel that now is the right time to retire. Watching the highlights of their game at the weekend there, the 5-5 draw, there was at least two or three that he should have been saving with his eyes closed. He, mm. he had the... It was one of them where it just sort of went past him here. It was like the, the near post glitch on FIFA, but in real life, it was mm. incredible to watch. Sorry, I was just swallowing a burp there as well. <laughs> yeah, old is he 39, 40? 40, yeah. But 40. I guess fair play for saying, right, hands up, I'm just not at, at the races here. Yeah. Because um, the longer that went on, those sort of performances, you just, you are feeling, re- I put my shoes myself in the shoes of a Wrexham fan. You'd be feeling this guy's just using the exposure for his own personal gain rather than what you can do on the field. So I guess from that perspective, fair play. Uh, yeah, and you'd expect more, wouldn't you? It's Ben Foster. He didn't look out of place at the end of last season. What's what's happened? I don't know if it's just a mixture of obviously as you get towards those later years, the drop off becomes steeper and steeper, doesn't it? Because you naturally are aging, yeah. and obviously with the step up to a different league, I don't know if you got like settled into not a false sense of security, but just kind of like oh well, this is the level, it's fine, and not realizing that this the step up, it's Ben Foster at the end of the day. This me sound like oh, it doesn't he done well, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it was just like a bad triumvirate of things that... Well, apparently he was training twice a week as well, which can't have been helping. I mean, well, I guess it is. It might be helping in one, in one way. Like He's 40 years old, he can't train mm. like he could when he was 21. Yeah. On the other hand, is he lacking match practice maybe and lacking that sharpness that comes with training? It's yeah. a hard one to decipher. But Wrexham, are, obviously, they've got that global appeal. I think they won't have a problem convincing players to join the project yeah but they've got to 
they got to pull the things out, haven't they? They do, yeah. They need to stop conceding goals. Pep Guardiola is set to miss the next two Premier League games after undergoing emergency surgery on a back injury. The Premier League champions wrote a statement on Tuesday that the 52-year-old was suffering from severe back pain and has flown back to Barcelona for a routine operation. They've made that sound really bad and then said routine operation at the end there, which makes it seem completely fine. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think this is why he's bit a bit... Uh... Narky recently because yeah, backs and bits. Clapping back at fans. I guess you would be if your back was in bits. Yeah. Have you got a bad back? Yeah. Have you actually? Yeah. I've never had one. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Lower back. Mm. Get yourself well, to Barcelona for some emergency surgery. I, I I had a sports massage the other year and that was good, but I need another one because I have terrible posture. So <laughs> it doesn't help. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, assistant manager Juanma Lilo will take charge of the first team while Guardiola is, well, until he's fit basically to return. He'll be in the dugout for matches against Sheffield United and Fulham. Uh, Guardiola's going back here to Barcelona and is expected to come back uh, after the international break in September. So we'll have to see if they'll have an effect on Manchester City's games against checks notes, Sheffield United and Fulham. Uh, I don't think it will. <laughs> it's what we were saying recently about, like, to be a champion ship level not the championship but like a championship winning team you've got to ride your luck like when the COVID season the other season City had a couple of COVID cases but it fell you know when there wasn't game weeks on etc etc and the fact no not not even that just just in terms of just just luck you've got to ride your luck and obviously getting a bad back isn't lucky but the fact that the fixtures have fallen the way they have Sheffield United who I think are just going to get whipped by everyone and Fulham who aren't looking great I don't know if he's gone yeah they should be alright I'll I'll dip out or if it's just like oh oh bloody hell good thing that we've got these two teams coming up but I, I, I'm still expecting you six know, points you know for a fact he'll still be there via Zoom at the yeah. very least barking at everybody in the chair. kicking off on Haaland Haaland's like shut up 172 inch screen in the locker room yeah oh the locker room. I'm, I'm, I'm American now, apparently. Yeah. The locker room. 172 inch screen. I'm just imagining something like uh, 1984. <laughs> Pep Guardiola, far too close to the camera. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's from Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Oh. <laughs> Sticking with Manchester City, Lucas Pakatar's proposed move to them from West Ham has been halted due to an F, a football association and FIFA investigation excuse me, into possible betting breaches. The FA and FIFA are looking at information concerning bets and games involving Pakatar that were placed in Brazil. Now, I don't know if this was where he was from because you'll never guess where he was sort of, I don't know if he was born there, but certainly where he was raised for a portion of his youth. Go on. It's Pakatar Island. <laughs> so if these bets, <laughs> Lucas Pakatar get the yellow card in the 92nd minute are coming from Pakatar Island. That's amazing. That's uh, that unbelievable. Would, yeah. uh, the player apparently had no idea about the, I'm doing that because that's what the article said, about the claims and has been left shocked by the whole situation, which could cut, well, apparently it has cost him a dream move to Manchester City because if we go down to the transfer, well, what, first and foremost, what do you make about all that? It's what we've said, again, the, the, the problem with the high-profile nature of sports betting in football at all levels at the moment. I think there's, there's too much of it. If you if you like a flaw, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but the kind of influx of adverts and sponsorships and blah, 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 blah. And at the same time, just like, but you can't do it. Yeah. It's like, well, pick, pick pick one or the other. Yeah. yeah. I guess it makes sense for players because like, in games they're involved in. Yeah. an effect on... Because they can go and get a yellow card, can't they, quite easily? Well, days. yeah, because Grubble are at the case in the 90s didn't yeah. they about match match fixing so but it's 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 serious allegations but at the same time it's 
the, the fact that the whole FA in all branches of it is just like, oh, we've got to stamp this out. But thanks for all this money for all the sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Great, nice one. All the best to Ivan Tony when he comes back being a billboard for Hollywood bets. Anyway, it looks like Pakatar has cut, like blown his chance to move to Manchester City because they have agreed a fee with Ren for the transfer of Belgium forward Jeremy Doku. Apparently, it's going to be 65 million euros, including add-ons, which has been accepted by the French club. Personal terms have been agreed on a five-year deal. This is the little lad. The little lad. He was a little lad. I'm sure it was the World Cup before last, I think, maybe. I don't know. Potentially. It was some game I was watching, and he came on, and he was very quick and very tricky. Yeah. 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 Aye. How old are you now? Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen Jeremy Doku play before? I recognise the name. I probably have. It's me. I don't remember anything. <laughs> but I do know the name. Um, but I, I'm still one of those that when I hear blah, blah, blah has moved for 65 million that you think, oh, he must be good. Um, yeah. Just looking at his record, he played for, he played 29 games last season, scored six goals in League U, which isn't the it's best. Not good, yeah, it's not great. But you've got to think, it's the way Manchester City do it. They've got the scouts all over the place. Well, as all the teams do, but it's a, they, look, they have a player profile. That's a, a yeah. hip-hop and happening phrase to use, isn't it? Of course and it is. It looks like this is going to be the direct replacement for Riyad Mahrez. Because that was a, the thing with Pakatar. It's like, you're losing Mahrez, but you're gaining Pakatar. Where does... Where does he really fit? Because apparently uh, another knock-on story from this is him, Pakatar being unhappy at West Ham because of the way David Moyes has been using him, yeah. which apparently isn't how he wants to be used. Well, he's unfortunately made a rod for his own back, hasn't he? Because he's going to go back to West Ham unless he, he gets to move somewhere else. And David Moyes be like, I'll play it wherever I want to play it. Yeah. Um, and what are you saying? Where does he fit in? He fits in in West Ham, it seems. Um yeah, that's all I've got to say on the match. He was very good in that Europa Conference final. Like he was my man of the match. He was sensational. That sort of cam roll, but he was everywhere. Yeah. He had a bit of an endo about him, a bit of an endo performance. Tackles everywhere, but that yeah. bit of guile and class at the same time. Yeah, I'm sure he slipped in Jarabone for the winner, but my mind deceives me sometimes. Well, if your mind's playing tricks on you, I sure think my mind's there. <laughs> Finally, in the world of football, Ivan Tony's in a big interview this week. He believes he's been made an example because he's a high-profile Premier League footballer. The Brentford striker was banned for eight months in May after admitting 232 breaches of the Football Association's betting rules. He was speaking to Stephen Bartlett on the Diary of a CEO. Mm. Drink Huel. I love Huel. I invest in the company. Drink Huel. It's lovely. That's Stephen Bartlett for you. It's like he's in the room right now. Tony claimed that his punishment was disproportionate compared to what previous lower-level players had been given for similar offences. Tony had felt the timing of the allegations as well being made public was linked to him being sort of maybe going to the World Cup. He feels that there's someone out there getting him. <laughs> it doesn't sound no. too promising from his perspective. No. No. And he also said that he, he, he doesn't recall making some of the bets he was charged for, but he took responsibility just to get the thing over with, which again, if I was in his shoes, I'd be going, well, well, yeah. I'll admit to the ones I've done, but the ones I've not done, don't put that on me. Yeah. Surely he could do that. It's like what we what we just said there, the, the kind of what about balterism from the FA, just kind of, obviously he's... He's done something stupid that he shouldn't have done, but the, the kind of high and mightiness of the the length of his ban as well seemed a bit disproportionate as well. I don't know, because the likes of Joey Barton and stuff, they got pretty severe bans for way less bets, didn't they? How, the TV refreshes. Look at the TV refresh there. Ooh, um, and also, a large portion of this suspension he's got is happening during off-season. Yeah, true. I guess it's... it's yeah. from both sides, can't you? Yeah. I guess. I guess at the end of the day. But I, I, I think there's just going to be more of this until they, you know, decidedly boot out 
because uh, I know they're removing shared sponsors, aren't they? They're they getting... next season. Yeah, yeah. but they, I'm not. You're never going to kick a baton out of the game completely, but they can't be advertising and glorifying it with one hand and then severely disciplining with the other. Yeah, I guess it is. If, if it was on games involving him and Brentford, then I yeah. can see why they're why because the, that potential to sort of match fix there, isn't there? Yeah, and affect the outcome of a. On a sporting competition. Anyway, Tony is banned until the 16th of January and he's not allowed to train with his teammates or spend time anywhere around the Brentford area. Well, I guess just the training ground the stadium probably until the 17th of September. Not being allowed to train is a bit harsh because obviously the, the punishment is he's banned from playing. But if he's not allowed to train with his teammates or anything like that, then they're possibly hampering his career. I don't think they are, you know, because I was watching the overlap with Gary Neville with Marcus Rashford yeah. over the preseason there, and they go to some camp. I think he was in Portugal. There was like a footballer's like preseason pre preseason camp, if that makes sense. Like where you go before preseason starts. So for like unsigned players and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And he was just getting put through his paces. Then I assume that Ivan Toby's gone gone somewhere like that. No, oh, okay. Then. I would probably do that if I was him. Mm. Or oh, I'd just sit on the sofa. Eating I was going to say I'd just be eating twenty nuggets. Yeah. At a I'd time. if he came back looking like John Parkin. Oh, <laughs> it'd be beautiful. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? All right, lads. And they're just like, oh. <laughs> Ivan. You're right there. <laughs> On to the big transfer news of the last seven days. We already spoke about Cameron Archer there in the notes. Uh, Liverpool. Big Endo, Wataru Endo, is coming from Stuttgart. He was their captain. Apparently, it was £16 million after Phil to bring in Caicedo for over £100 million. What was it you bid? £105, £110? 111, I think. 111. And also uh, Labia, obviously, for between 40 and 50 or 60, whatever you bidded for him in the end. I think we bidded like 48 million and 20 quid. And they'd be like, <laughs> 50 million, like 40 quid. So, yeah. yeah, the rebuilding process continues after Henderson, who is not related to Endo, Fabinho, Milner, Keita, and the Ox all left Anfield in the summer. Obviously, we spoke about him earlier. He looks uh, he looks like a bit of me. I like a bit of player like that. Yeah, it's it's the kind of player we need. Obviously, the it, it felt a bit underwhelming to go from, we're going to break the record for Caicedo to, here's a fella you may have heard of from Germany. But, but then you're saying that, and like, who really was Sadio Mane before he signed, for example? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we're, we're usually good at getting those diamonds from the rough. Um, a couple of fans have gone a little far the other way from my liking, where they're just like, could be the next Gary McAllister. And I'm just like, <laughs> let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves. He's about 12 years younger than when Gary Mack signed for you anyway, 30 years of age. Exactly. And Gary Mack was boss. <laughs> we love his bald head. Um, I think he looks. Uh, for signing and then being dropped straight into it the next day, he looks solid. If this is, uh, I think James Pierce was say, alleging that we're not going to be buying another number six. He's our starter. I just like I would like another one. I just, think you do need another one just we, for the season. Yeah, or it, or if he's our specialist number six, we need someone who can play in the six and elsewhere in in the mid. But he looks solid. Um, I guess you got Batchetic to come back, haven't you? Yeah, but you are playing on Thursday nights, remember? Thursday nights, Channel 5. Not Channel 5 anymore, but it is in the heart. TNT. Um, but yeah, he, he, he looks fine. Like I said, it was a bit underwhelming after everything that had happened, but if he gets on with it and he does a job, then he does a job. Fine, who cares how much they And cost. you've also shown you've got the money there to spend on people. So if you don't bring anyone anyone else in, then you're asking questions of the owners, aren't you? Surely, again, mm. again. I think that's probably going to happen. <laughs> 
Aston Villa have got one through the door. They've confirmed, confirmed the signing of Italy international Nicolo Zaniolo. Zanilo, sorry, goodness me. Uh, on a season-long loan from Galatasaray. I had no idea he was at Galatasaray. Last time I checked, he was at Roma, just doing things in the Europa League and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I didn't even hear about this deal until you proposed this today. Uh, 4.2 million loan fee uh, plus a agreed bonus of up to 1.2 million to seal the loan as well, whatever that means. I don't know what that means at all. You can have it for 4.2, but you must also pay 1.2 to secure it. It, it, Maybe it's some sort of deposit. Is it me or did it? Obviously, I think loan fees have always been a thing, but it yeah. seemed like we never really heard about them until like the last two years. Jao Felix at 11 million. I remember that one being like, oh my God, they've paid that much. And we, they signed, who else did Chelsea sign in January on loan? Someone from Juventus, wasn't it? The, Zakaria. Yeah. I think they paid 3 million for him. When we paid 8 million for Arthur Mello and got 13 minutes. I remember when we signed Laura Remy, it was like 3 million or something like that from yeah. Marseille. Marseille? Yeah, Marseille. I'm going back 10 years now. It's a long time. Well, anyway. apparently, apparently we've been talking about loan fees for 10 years, but I've just not been paying attention. But... Just trying to think of ones I've, I can remember hearing. Um, but yeah, should Villa choose to trigger the purchase uh, option on the deal, they will have to pay 19.2 million plus a third of 13.2 million in add-ons. I don't think they're going to do it. They're just saying, yeah, we'll give you that, we'll give you that, we'll give you that, but we're not going to do it. It could be a shrewd move from uh, Galatasaray, though, because perhaps they've seen Villa and thought, they could do bits here. Let's put all these in. They might not hit him, but if they do... Yeah. yeah, but he looked a player like as I say for Roma a couple of years ago. He had that run in the Europa League, not maybe not the one last season where it all ended in tears yeah. for referees and whatnot. But there was a, a certain run they had, and he was doing bits here, there, and everywhere. It, it seems to me though, like whenever I hear about a player going to the Turkish league, it's not like the same as going to the Saudi league where you're like, oh, they're done. But usually the Turkish league, you're like, oh, they're still good, but they're not quite at that yeah. level anymore. And obviously there's the, the old thing about, oh, players coming from Italy to the Premier League. And so going from Italy via the Turkish League to the Premier League, you're like, I'll wait and see. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit of uh, Aston Villa having to script the barrel just of someone who might realise that when people are fully fit, he might not get a game, obviously, after the injuries to Coutinho. Yeah. Um, who else went off at the weekend there? There was someone who was an attack midfielder went off, did they? I might have just made that up anyway. Injuries, he's going to fill their fill their gaps. Up the Villa's gaps. Uh, Mitrovic, Alexander, I don't know why I've said his name like that, but his name is Alexander Mitrovic. He's gone to Al Hilal um, with Neymar, or Neymar, I've written down there. There's no men there. Neymar! <laughs> for 50 million. Uh, Al Hilal returned in for Mitrovic and lodged a bid worth uh, 50 million for the 28-year-old, which Fulham immediately accepted because that's what they wanted from. Uh, Fulham now confirmed the deal and he's been there for five years at Fulham. He sort of silenced the doubters, I guess, in terms of being like a Premier League player, because it felt like for a few years he was sort of very good championship on his apparent 120 grand a week wage in the championship, which I learned this week, which is unbelievable, 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 as uh, yeah. Moreno said. With me. Is, is, <laughs> is Purple Patch, especially last season, I think made everyone go, okay, we've, we've kind of doubted him, but he seems like he's been a bit of a... I wouldn't say like a bad presence going into this new season, but he he, he wasn't happy with the he state of affairs. Didn't want to be there, no, that was the thing. Even going back to when he was at Newcastle, it was like we can see the lads got talent, but when he played for Newcastle, he was way more focused on hurting the centre half rather than scoring a goal. And Rafa Benitez was just like, I'll, I'll just play Daryl Murphy instead. Mm. And Daryl Murphy was a lot better that championship season than than Mitrovic, which is weird to say, but it's true. But surely an alehouse team like Newcastle would like a player like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> but another one bites the dust and goes to Saudi Arabia. Galatasaray have confirmed the signing of winger Hakim Ziyech from Chelsea on loan. Do you see how they did this? No. It was after a game and they got him like in with the ultras on this little, you know, and sort of they've got the, 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 I don't know, the leader of the gang going like, with a microphone in his hand. 
They've got a little... The break. MC. Yeah, he basically leads the chance and whatnot. One time, one time. <laughs> right from the top. Um, but he leads the chance from his little pedestal there. And they got him up on there and he was like doing the thing and leading the chant. It was a very good way to introduce a player, I thought. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, it yeah. was very, very good. You endear yourself to the ultras and you go far. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll get all sorts of deals, won't you? Yeah. Jacuzzis, security. I don't know. I've never dealt with them. Have you? No. Does Liverpool have ultras? Not ultras. Newcastle don't. No. No. We've, we've, I've, I've spoken to, I've, I've been in pubs with, um, some old hoolies from the eighties before, and they're quite frightening. Uh, some of the, yeah, I had a, a lad I used to go to England games with, and his dad went to England games in the late eighties, early nineties, and some of the things I've heard would put hair on your eyes. Yeah, so, someone <laughs> who uh, I used to talk to a little in the pubs. He was a mate of a mate, and I was like, mm, this is a bit hairy. He was, um, part of. One of the firms of the Merseyside teams. I'm not going to say which one. Obviously, they were just like, you're not coming here anymore. So we went, Sand, I'll go to Millwall games and join Millwall's <laughs> firm. I was just like, yeah. Some people are just wired different, aren't they? I was I like, like, I couldn't be. I just want to go to the football and enjoy, have a little pint, watch the game, have a little sing song, not fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't condone hooliganism, but. <laughs> Why is there a but? <laughs> but if you've got two sets of, I'm going to say predominantly young lads, and they want to have a scrap, you're not going to be able to stop them. So if they organise it, if they say, just us and just you, let's have a scrap, no weapons, and afterwards, we just kind of nod and walk off, fine. But when it comes into just like, oh, there's some people there we don't know, I'm going to glass one of them, just like, yeah. that's that's not good. Like with the Sean Cox stuff outside Liverpool, that was cowardice. Yeah. But if you've got two, two firms who agree to a fist fight... In a uh, field, nowhere near the ground. Exactly, like the beginning of... Uh, Green Street, and it's panning along, and that guy goes, "Effin C you," and you're just like, "Here we go, lads." Elijah Wood's gonna get filled in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna ever properly stop it. So just keep it to one side. Don't do anything that's gonna get you imprisoned. And afterwards, you nod and you'll say you do it at the reverse fixture. <laughs> but don't get innocent people involved and don't use weapons. You're yeah, speaking like you've been there from experience, just the way you're on about here. I've not at all. I've not <laughs> at all. But uh, again, there was family members who support Tramia. And when one of them was like 16, they started going to Tramia away games. I just said to him, I was like, I don't know what you do. I don't think that you do. But if you are, cover your face. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, back to the ZH deal, uh, apparently Galatasaray have paid no fee for the loan, which is rare, it seems, in football these days. But again... That's news to me. Much, <laughs> much, much like Mitrovic, it feels like it was a player who just was surplus to... Well, not surplus, he just didn't want to be there. No. But it, I guess it was a bit different in Mitrovic because Fulham wanted him, whereas Chelsea didn't want ZH. And they couldn't get rid of him. That, <laughs> that move collapsed, didn't he? Because of his knee. Was it to Saudi Arabia? I'm sure it was. I want to say, yeah, because... it. He, I want to say he was one of the first wave of names linked with a move to Saudi Arabia, which makes it feel like Chelsea just went, if there's money here, look, we've got to get rid of loads of lads. Do you want him? We don't really want him. Yeah. But um, zero fee. They must have been desperate to get him off the books. Yeah. Uh, US men's national team captain Tyler Adams has gone to Bournemouth. Uh, from Leeds, <laughs> the 24-year-old, I can't believe he's only 24. Uh, he joined Leeds last summer from RB Leipzig and made 28 appearances, last playing in a Desmond 2-2 at home to Brighton Hove Albion. Or maybe it was away. Maybe it was at home. I don't know why I even said that. I've not got it written down. Obviously, Adams has been through the ringer a little bit recently with his proposed move to Chelsea just not collapsing. It was just Chelsea going, nah, we don't want you, actually. Lol. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did it to Romeo Lavia, so I can understand if he's a bit miffed. <laughs> 
Uh, any word on a fear or anything? No idea. No. No. I can't imagine it's going to be too much. Nah. We, you'd expect... Especially the way that Leeds have been doing their, their business this summer. It feels like everyone who's left Leeds of like prominence uh, has gone on loan. Well, I don't know what they're doing. Have these structured their contracts weirdly, like Chelsea just, have? Are they banking on just going straight back up and having all these players come back? Mm. That's a dangerous way. It's a very dangerous game. Yeah. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Like you're saying, as soon as you say any national captain, if they're going down, they're straight on the phone to their agent. Oh, and he yeah. said, get me back off. I thought he'd have to lift the phone himself. He'd have offers here, there and everywhere. A- agent with his 80s Rolodex. Like, <laughs> Don't worry, Tyler, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle have completed the signing of teenage defender Lewis Hall from Chelsea. The, d- the deal is an initial loan because of our FFP sort of restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there will there is an obligation for Newcastle to make it permanent next summer for around about £28 million pounds uh, the only time I've seen him play I did a live stream for Chelsea versus Man United at Old Trafford uh, last season he looked very good looked very attacking very strong for a young boy Yeah. Um, but that's all I've seen of him I know his parents are Newcastle fans I watched the video of like his first day like they put on YouTube and his mom looks very Geordie she's got a very like working class Geordie mom's haircut which I was very on board with very blue jeans uh, yeah. Nuki brown Adidas top <laughs> Couple of rings. I could imagine her being the dinner lady at school, put it that way. Gold chain with a little gold boxing glove on it. <laughs> but as I say, they're 18 years old. He made 11 first team appearances last season for Chelsea. And I've seen a few reactions from Chelsea peoples, and they're not happy about it. So that's a good sign for Newcastle. Are you thinking he's just going to be a cup player this season, or do you think he will be sniffing around the first I think team? He's sniffing. Yeah. He's still, as we're sat here now, Dan Burns, the first choice left back. And. He's not a left-back. He no. can play there, and he's solid as houses. He can sometimes get forward, as we saw. I think it was Leicester at home in the Carabao Cup last season, wasn't it? He gets a goal. He scored more than St. Maximan last season. Mm. Two, two goals to one. So <laughs> uh, he can get forward, but he's, he just doesn't feel like a proper left-back. He doesn't really feel at home at left-back, which feels weird because that's why he played largely for Brighton. That's why he's played largely for Newcastle as well. But I think having him as another centre-half option, having Livermento and Hall yeah. as the two sort of left-back options there you've got Mankiw in the background as well who I like by the way yeah. I like Javier Mankiw I don't, I don't think he's too popular in Liverpool is he Um, I, he, he doesn't really register as much anymore he's a, head, he's a headless chicken he's fantastic yeah. he kicks the ball forward and runs he's after it like a dog box office Barclays <laughs> as Lewis House likes to say but I don't know I think there's a chance that after a few weeks here, he, could, he could get his chance and then it's up to him to keep, keep his place or not FFP aside then, do you think you will be bringing many more in before the close of the window? No. House said one more before he signed, so that'll be it. Yeah. That's it. I think we're still light of a centre-half. If we can get a centre-half on a loan or just just bin his contract at his current club and come join us for free because that's how football works. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. But yeah, maybe another midfielder as well. But in, And obviously a centre-forward. I think having two strikers going into a season like ours this season and one of those strikers being Callum Wilson is not good. Well, it's, it's a shame that... He... Obviously, because considering the Adidas deal is done, it's a shame that that doesn't register now because obviously yeah. that's positive income coming into the club. I think I saw a table saying, I think we're the fourth highest net spenders since whenever. I can't remember when it was, when the, the table started. But we have spent a fair amount of money, but I think, you know, we've spent it very wisely. We haven't, we haven't had a dud so far since the takeovers. Where, where are Liverpool on the net spend league? <laughs> we all love the net spend. <laughs> 
Uh, what are we doing now? Crystal, this was a shock after last week's podcast. We spoke about Michael Lise going to Chelsea, and all of a sudden, Crystal pa- uh, Palace chairman Steve Parrish has revealed he signed a new four year contract and rejected the chance to go to Chelsea in the process. This was after Chelsea triggered the 35 million release clause in Elise's previous contract, and we're just basically we're just waiting for the, the shirt presentation, weren't we? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And now he's gone back. How I think that's fantastic. Do you think they've set, given him some promises? And they're just like, look, help us out this season. We'll we'll bump up your wages we'll a bit. Season, yeah. It? We'll give you Zaha's contract for a season, then we'll yeah. just let you go next year. Yeah. Yeah. But it, if, if it works for all involved and hampers Chelsea a little bit, I'm not going to complain about it. I know we've got some listeners from Chelsea. It's Schadenfreude. We all do it. It's football rivalry. Wait. Just don't take it into a field and fight us. Whoa, you're going to smack the glasses. I'll glass you. <laughs> Theo Walcott, <laughs> as we end the news from around the football world this week, he uh, announced his retirement on the overlap with Gary Neville. Uh, we start with the 2006 World Cup, which should never have happened. We then go through to the the, the, the big debate about, is he a centre-forward, is he not? He felt like he was always at loggerheads. What a word, loggerheads. Yeah. Uh, with Arsene Wenger in terms of playing as a centre-forward, whereas Wenger would always play him on the right. For me, if he feels like a player who never reached his potential, like no. you go around to sort of 2009-10, I think he says in that interview with Gary Neville, he scored, I think... Might be wrong here. He scored around about 21 goals and made around about the same amount of assists that season in the league, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Then you're thinking, oh, can he kick on and be that centre forward? But it just never really happened for him. No, like we, I think we'd said it a couple of weeks ago that Sven Joran Eriksson put thrusting him into that spotlight, unfair, kind of. Unfair. Yeah. And obviously, what was he, 16 at the time? You're not going to say no, are you? But no. he was one that I always thought every time he got a move, I thought he'll kick on. He'll, he'll kick on, less pressure on him. Like when he went to Everton, wasn't yeah. it, for a bit? And I thought, right, there's less pressure on him because it's Everton. But he'll also be the main man. So perhaps this could be like a double kind of like positive, if you know what I mean. Less pressure, but you're also the lad. Go yeah. for it. And it just it just never worked. Yeah, 34 years of age. He announced his retirement. And it just, it, it felt like he wasn't really doing anything towards the end of last season. I know he scored mm. a goal. Away at Arsenal, which I think is a nice little sort of final goal of your professional career for your field Walcott against Arsenal. Um, nice bow on things, but yeah, just it was frustrating. Yeah. Because he had the pace, didn't he? He certainly, like, as I say, around the 0-9-10 season, 10-11 sort of times, he certainly had the quality, as Rafa Benitez like to say. We like to say he had the world at his feet, Ross. That's that Embrace song, isn't it? With the world at your feet. If you close your eyes, it's Embrace. Remember Embrace? Yeah. Yeah. Great song, Ashes, you know. But that World Cup song, World at Your Feet, was not very good, I thought. No. In the pantheon of World Cup songs. It, it's not usually my kind of like go-to embrace. No. There's another band called Embrace that I like, though. Is there? Yeah. What do they do? Uh, like post-hardcore. It's uh, Ian McKay from uh, Minor Threat and Fugazi. It was in between the two. This isn't a music podcast. This is a football podcast. What's next, Ross? It's time for the highlight of the week. I'll go first, as I always do in the highlight segment. It was it was good to be Mary Earps and their massive F off after saving a penalty in the World Cup final. But this week of all weeks, I feel we need to go down to the journalistic work of Adam Crafton of The Athletic because in the middle of his Mason, like this Mason Greenwood comeback story, um, without his work, I feel like Mason Greenwood would now be playing for Manchester United again. Like nothing happened, but he exposed this meeting that Richard Arnold, the Man United big wig, <laughs> had at the start of August and he just he exposed everything what happened in that meeting. And then from that story coming out, it feels like everything's changed and that's where we find ourselves today. So I'll just let... Adam Crafton himself explain exactly what happened in a recent appearance he did on the News Agents podcast. Never thought I'd say those three words on this on this bollocks. 
Let's cut to the VT. To the VT. <laughs> we got hold of details from what had been a hugely extensive plan, which, you know, I think there's a little bit of a movement at the moment from Manchester United to say, you know, we're always weighing up lots of different options, even until the end. Well, I mean, this plan included details such as, for example, um, Manchester United had laid out in a document what kind of photographs they should take of Mason Greenwood during training sessions in order to then filter to the public and choreograph the PR around his return and how he would be received. Um, the manager, Eric Ten Hag, would receive very, very clear uh, PR guidance in terms of how to handle questions, not only in the short term, but also medium term and the long term. And then I, I suppose the most devastating detail was that United had even prepared um, kind of a list of external stakeholders whether they were football pundits or politicians or journalists, but also, crucially, domestic abuse charities. And they'd categorised these different stakeholders into whether they would be supportive, open-minded or hostile. And then when we reported on Friday that domestic abuse charities were assumed to be hostile, it felt at that point as though Manchester United were in a real public relations nightmare. And I suppose the point about that, right, is that what it reveals is just a cynicism, right? It's it's not that they're sat there thinking, okay, what is the morally right thing to do here? What is the signal that we're sending about alleged or potential domestic abuse and all of these sorts of things and, and the relationship that women have with the club? It's just how do we achieve our ends, which is keeping this guy on the team? Yeah, over the past week, you know, we've, it's been made very, very clear to us that staff members at Manchester United are very, very unhappy about the way that the club has handled this to the extent that some were uh, considering going on strike, resignations were being considered. Um, even on Thursday and Friday, you had senior executives from Manchester United following our reporting on Wednesday where we'd said that some employees feel a, a sense of guilt and shame. They'd started, you know, organising meetings to all of a sudden talk to employees and hear concerns but more to the point still at that point try and justify why they were making this decision to try and bring Greenwood back into the team so yep he's held the club accountable it's proper powerful journalism it's something that we don't see often enough in the obviously in football I think just you know something big earth shattering like this happening a journalist going whoa whoa wait there here's all the facts not yeah. just some of the facts and then change being brought about because of some brilliant journalism it's the stuff that really inspired me to go to uni to become a journalist and get a degree in journalism before my life fell apart and I found myself here next to you but that's besides the point it was just I thought it was fantastic to see that sort of stuff still happening because it is it's a dying art that sort of journalism in football I think obviously yeah of being a Liverpool fan we've had some great journalists over the years helping to uncover the truth about Hillsborough um and there are there are good journalists out there. Obviously, the the switch from more traditional media to online has kind of prioritised clicks and sensationalism more than actual stories and getting into the nitty gritty. But fantastic work, absolutely fantastic work. Really good. What's your highlight of the week? My highlight of the week, apart from finding a Real Madrid legend, <laughs> it was I was so happy. Told me told me dad. My dad was like, "What? My dad's lived in that house for forty years." Grew up in a road two years over. So my dad's been in the area for over 60 years. No one knew. Bloody hell. But my highlight of the week, I saw it on Twitter this week and it was doing the rounds. So I assume, I know since then it's changed. But did you see the video of the FC Malaga fans? No. At the airport. They were annoyed that the club were yet to make any summer signings. <laughs> so a group of supporters went to the airport arrivals 
all in full kit and got a fella dressed as a security guard. Um, and they just picked someone coming out of arrivals and ran over to him and gave him a shirt with a name on the back and started doing this. And the security fella was like, back away, back away. And it's just some confused looking Asian fella just like posing for photos holding the shirt. Fantastic. Liverpool Airport soon, no doubt, after someone comes in after Endo. We'll be tracking the flights of, you know, any old silly sausages flying over, but... Um, <coughs> It's it's what I've called banter, but it's it's actually a rare form of funny football, actually legitimately funny football banter. I think Malaga have signed some players since. Oh, that's a shame. I know, but at first it was just like brilliant. The club should have doubled down to the different game. <laughs> yeah, but just there's must have been about fifteen or twenty of them, but just some fellow with his back, so they're just like, oh, called me shit, and they're all just going, ah! brilliant. That does sound good. Yeah, can we put the video in? I guess it was fan captured. Um. I will. Let's cut to the VT. in the world of football we go to our fabled segment called the twat of the week Jack I'll let you go first this week who it's, is your biggest twat it's Bernardo Silva <laughs> no it's not it's the refs mm. no it's not it's Prince William <laughs> it's Prince William right let's get out of, like I'm not a big fan of the Royals that's not for here nobody is up here but he is not only the future king mm. he's a while he's not the head of state he's a prominent statesman and he's the president of the FA and who runs what? Uh, all football of all levels yeah. in uh, in England. <laughs> including who? Uh, including the women's national team, Ross. <laughs> so Prince William didn't bother going to the World Cup final. Uh, Rishi Sunak didn't bother going to the World Cup final. I wouldn't and want him there anyway. No, you wouldn't want him there anyway, but it's kind of Prince William's job. Um, and he didn't give good enough of a reason for me. He tried saying, he tried peddling, it was, oh... We don't want to put too many missions out there flying over to Australia. And it's like, mm, okay. And then there was something else about, oh, we haven't done a proper visit to Australia, like a state visit. And it seemed improper to just pop in and go, all right, oh, we're watching a bit of football. See you later. Um, but then people think it's an ego thing because obviously the last time that William and Kate did a overseas tour, they got heckled because obviously we've had questions about uh, imperialism and Britain's role in, you know, just all the atrocities on earth in the 1800s and early 1900s. Um, and it seems to be a kind of vanity reason. Not only was it the first World Cup final in football for the national team since 1966, he just should have been there. It's part of his role. And what we've said many times, these, for the English women's game especially, but it just feels like more, there's a ground. So this is the most important World Cup finals for the women's game ever possibly. Yeah. He had no good reason to not go there. Like the, was it the Spanish prime, no. Yeah, Spanish prime minister. And did the King of Spain go? I don't know. But. But they've got like a temporary prime minister at the minute. I think he was there. Yeah, but yeah. there's there's Spanish representation. Like, 
He should have been there. Was... What, what, what if the, the England team would have won? Yeah. Yeah. I oh. think we've been on the first plane out there. Exactly. So it's a twat. He is a twat. Yeah. There was also that statement, well, that little video statement he put on Twitter where he sat on the bench next to his daughter. Yeah. Like, Come on. Just go, oh, look, I've got a daughter who cares she's holding a football. Get out of here. I'm an Aston Villa fan. Oh, <laughs> piss off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for the Spanish Football Federation president, Luis Rubiales, uh, for kissing Jenny Hamaso uh, on the lips in the midst of the trophy presentation at the World Cup on Sunday. Really uncomfortable watch. Yeah. He's released an apology, but thankfully, um, Spain's acting prime minister, Pedro Sanchez, said on Tuesday that his apology for doing what he did wasn't sufficient. And Spain's acting second deputy prime minister, Yolanda Diaz, has called for Rubiales uh, to resign from his post. Yeah. He's not going to get away with it, and it's good. Good. It's horrible to see. It's, it's one of those horrible throwbacks. Like, um, we all fondly remember Seth Blatter being in charge of the FA and when he said about the uh, women's team. FIFA. Oh, sorry, FIFA. Not the FA. He's not Prince William. The FIFA. That's what I meant. Um, and what was it? He was encouraging like skimpier kits, wasn't he, for the women's game and maybe swapping shirts and that. It, it's one of those horrible old uh, horny yeah, throwbacks. Yeah, you know, the old toad, wasn't he? Yeah, it's just just stop it. Just stop it. Twat. Yeah, massive twat. And twat. I hope he loses his job because that was horrible to watch anyway. Mm. We go from the bad part of the week to my favourite part as my Lucas Aid backfires once again. Because it's now time for what happened to that wunderkind. Jack Atkins finally bringing it back after several months away. I can't help the fact. I want to do it every other week. And it was meant to be last week, but there's a little thing called the, the start of the season. So we had, to, we had to put a pin in it, but it's back. I thought I'd save it for being here in the office and seeing your lovely eyes light up in My person. My ass is twitching like a rabbit's nose. I'm yeah. not excited. Oh, a little bit of admin going forward. I have now got a better microphone at home. Yes. So once I get that all set up, it should be crystal clear audio. Mm. But still the same level of, you know, professionalism, <laughs> which is, you know... What do you mean? I think we're doing quite well. We're doing all right. Yeah. yeah we're, 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 we've we've this, reached... This could more... be on the radio. This could. Yeah. Uh, on our radio. He's Ross and I'm Jack and this is football. Um, your wicked, wacky happening of the week there, Jack. <laughs> uh, oh, God. So this week's Wunderkind... Is not the kind of wunderkind you think of. It's not a Pato or a Bojan. It's not an attacking player that you think this could be the new. This could be the new Steve Guppy. No, <laughs> I've gone this week because I class it as a wunderkind at the time. The most popular man in Sunderland, Jack Rodwell. Oh my god! Yeah, he. What to be fair, there was a period of time when he definitely was a wunderkind. Yeah, yeah. He. he and obviously, he was more of a, a defensively minded player. And unless you're Paolo Maldini, you're not really going to be a Vonderkin back. But he did have that little burst of getting forward. I remember the goal he scored against Man City. He, he, Man, Man United. Uh, One of the Mans. <laughs> he scored against some Mans. Yeah, because he, he, he could have, a, as we like to say, a thunder bastard on him, didn't he? Um, so I'll go from your notes. You settle in. I'll settle in. So he's another top talent developed by Everton's Academy. Rodwell primarily played as centre-back until he broke into the first team where he transitioned into a DM, became Everton's youngest ever player to feature for the team in Europe, coming on as a sub in a 3-2 win over AZ Alkmaar at 16 years and 284 days in a senior debut. Sick, isn't it? Yeah. Signed a pro contract at 17 in March 2008. He'd stay in Everton's first team for five years, helped the Toffees reach the FA Cup final in 2009, uh, cemented a Europa League place going into the 2009 season. This is under the glory days of... Cockney David Moyes. 
But he would have a few injury setbacks at Everton, particularly in the 11-12 season. And after Moyes went to Man U, there were rumours that he was going to join him, which at the time we were thinking, yeah, young, gifted English player, why not? But he wouldn't go to Man U. He'd go to Man City. Uh, they signed him then 21 years old, 12 million in summer 2012. Uh, start of his career at City was positive, but injuries would just batter him. So in the 12-13 season, 15 appearances, all competitions. 13-14, not only did he only make 10 apps all season, he also lost his place when he was fit, but did qualify for a Premier League winner's medal. So Sick of him once again. Yeah. <laughs> but in his time at City, he'd missed 69 games due to injury. Nice. Grow up. <laughs> not having it. Not having it. We're no. professional radio presenters. Look at this. Nice. <laughs> Isn't that when you put your face in someone's crotch and they do the same? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Everton, he missed 34 games. Uh, he would make his way to Sunderland after two seasons of City. So two seasons of City, he'd missed 69 games across all competitions. Don't say it again. Sunderland uh, believed to have paid around £10 million for his services. Uh, he, didn't hold, he didn't hold back in his criticism of his time at City and he urged English players to think twice before signing with them as he went to Sunderland. So injury-wise, it was better. Mm -hmm. He only missed 13 games across his entire time at the club, but he had a reputation for being a sick note and there was a little season uh, series called Sunderland Till I Die, <laughs> which uh, painted him in a bad light. Part of that could be because he had an ego, but as we've seen with Deli Alley recently as well, we do now have to kind of look back and think how much of this was done in the Edison room, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, he's not popular on Sunderland, I think it's safe to say. He's a poster boy for that sort of weird decline they had where when they did spend money, it did go wrong. Yeah. 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 I mean... They didn't spend too much money in that year of time. No. Did the Magums. I know this because I was at uni at this point of time when he signed. I think I just graduated actually in the summer of 2014, yeah. Yeah. So that, that period of time was a very strange one for Sunlin. It was... It was it was an odd time for him and for Sunlin because obviously Sunlin was... <laughs> I'll stop saying that now. That's one thing I loved about living up here. Just go, Sunderland. This is, by the way, we should explain. That's how people from Sunderland say the word Sunderland. Sunderland. Like people from Liverpool say Lib Poo. <laughs> Come on, Lib Poo. Get out of there, man. Lib Poo. So, Anti top, anti cop at the end of the road. Exactly. Just from, like that. From Kingston, Jamaica. There. <laughs> um, so Sunderland obviously cycling through margins as the status in the Premier League was looking uncertain. They were relegated at the end of the 16-17 season and Rodwell was on a high wage and it wasn't... I don't know if it ever came out that they said to him, oh, do you fancy leaving? But he refused. Obviously, fans weren't happy. He had signed a contract. He was within his right. Yeah. This is... It's the by, weird one when you get that sort of situation. By the letter of the law... He was right. If we were in that situation, we'd like to think we'd have the moral higher ground, but if we're getting paid out of the arse, we probably would do and the your same. prospects of a new deal from a different club are going to be half, if not less, than what you're currently on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, he apparently still stands by it. He's like, no, I was earning good money. I was going to stay there. The fans got wind of it, didn't like it. Obviously, the stuff from Sunderland till I die didn't help his cause. Uh, so on January... In January 18, 2018, he hadn't played since September 2017. He went, I want to leave. So he went, cool. Here's a trial of Vitesse Arnhem. 
which was cancelled, <laughs> and he found himself back in Sunderland. <laughs> so Sunderland got relevated once again, and it was revealed that Chris Coleman and Jack Rodwell had suffered a big fallout and never got back on the same page. Uh, he was eventually released by Sunderland in June 2018 and was voted the worst signing in club history by two local papers. That is horrible considering it is Sunderland we're talking about. Yeah. Some of the signings they made in the... My God. Yeah. I remember when I was at uni, they signed someone called Alvarez. Where yeah. they, they signed him on a loan with obligation to buy or something. And then obviously they tried to play him, but he couldn't play because he's always injured or something. Then they still had to buy him. At the end of the Rough. Even he never played. Oh, I need to try but, and fight him now. But apparently Jack Rodwell was worse than this. Um, so after he'd been released, he'd go to Blackburn on a one-year deal in August 2018, now aged only 26. That's unbelievable. 26 at How this time. How old is he now? I think he's 31. My God, he's the same age as me. Yeah, Ricky Alvarez is the guy I'm talking about. For, for I recognise that name. Yeah, yeah. he joined, <laughs> uh, joined on deadline day in 2014, initially alone with a view to a permanence which was suddenly avoided relegation, so they stayed up and then had to sign him, even though he was bloody awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, talking about, you know, oh, falling down the league, so he, Rodwell ended up uh, Blackburn, yeah. One-year deal, August 2018. He got 22 appearances under his belt, and he was offered a new deal but turned it down. And there was rumblings that he could go to Roma, but it didn't. How and why? Right. <laughs> it didn't happen anyway, because they were just like, oh, Blackburn's Jack Rodwell. Nah, we're, we're all right. Um, so he, he left the club, August 2019, out of contract. Uh, January 2020, he arrives at Sheffield United, but would only make two league appearances due to the COVID-19 panda- pandemic. That's when they're a Premier League club as well, isn't it? Exactly. This was a Premier League return after a couple of years in the wilderness. Um, so he only made two appear- league appearances that season and signed a further one-year deal, but was released at the end of the 2020-21 season without making any further appearances for the club. Brutal. Mm. But he's now in Australia's A-League. Part of the reasoning was, he said, you know, the usual, I want a new challenge. His, his wife is Australian. so oh, I think it's out nicely, hasn't it? I think she said to him, come on, let's not live in Sunderland, Sheffield or Blackburn again, please. Can we can we go back to Sydney? He's probably gone, yeah. <laughs> So he plays in Australia's A-League, did one season with the Western Sydney Wanderers, then transferred to Sydney FC ahead of the 22-23 season on a two-year deal. Still playing. Mm. But it seems like with most of these tales, it was a mixture of injury woes. It was a mixture of possibly moving at too young of an age. Because 21, at 21, I was an idiot. Yeah, everybody is. Yeah, when you get to your thirties, you you realise how much of a twat you were. Even if you think you're not a twat, you are a twat. If you're 21 and you're watching this, you are a twat. you are a twat, and you'll realise you're a twat when you're 31. Yeah, because heading into my thirties, I was gutted. I was like, oh, I'm turning 30, and then the second I turned 30, I went, I get it now. Your 20s is you learning to be an adult. So when you get to your thirties, you can go right. And so far, my thirties have been much better than my twenties. <laughs> I've Done less inter- far less f- interesting stuff. I've bought less stupid things. I've, you know, gotten into plants and having a cat and having a sensible bedtime. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And hopefully Jack Rodwell's enjoying that in Sydney. So I think it was the mixture of the Sunderland documentary didn't help his cause. Uh, the idea of him being the kind of pampered young English player earning too much money didn't help. Injury record didn't help. Too much too young didn't help. Uh, and he's, again, like we said with others, a perfectly fine career. I'd like to have this career. Maybe without the vitriol from the people of Sunderland. <laughs> the worst ever silence is a massive thing to have on your shoulders. Yeah, but 
he, he earns a living playing football. He's, he's got an Australian wife. I've not seen her, but when you hear the words Australian wife, you usually think they're probably quite good looking. Yeah. Um, he's got a Premier League winner's medal, even though I think he made five <laughs> league appearances that season. <laughs> it's just another usual case of the Wunderkind where you're like, oh, well, that's He's got fake. caps for England as well. I'm just reading there. The last cap was 10 years ago. So. I think he's got three in total, has he? Yeah. Mm. But there we go. I'm just looking at the who he's sharing a squad with currently in terms of names we might recognise. And the only one we could recognise is former Nottingham Forest winger Joe Lolly. Holdsy. Joe Lolly, Joe Lolly, Joe Lolly, 30. No. No, no. He played for Forest between 18 and 22, 159 league games, 24 goals. Well, what cap for the England C team in 2013? Not Joe Lolly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we all know I'm a big fan of the England C team. Well, I would have seen him playing in the league the other year, but I he didn't stick out to me. There we go. That's a notable name he shared his team with. Mm. Oh, the, oh no, well. well I, I mentioned it before to Aidan Gibbons, and he said, oh, currently one of the, the, the three premier English talents playing abroad. <laughs> well, Bellingham, who's the other one? Kane, obviously. Yeah. Bellingham, Kane and Jack Rodwell. Flying the flag. Oh, the Rodwell. Um, so, yeah, a career of what might have been, but also as a Newcastle fan, quite a funny turn of events, really. Again, we, we love a bit of schadenfreude. <laughs> we move on from what happened to that Wunderkind, which we'll see again in two weeks' time. Don't let us down. Ooh, on my new mic as well. Yeah, oh, it's going to sound even better. Sound effects as well. He had his own soundboard. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. That was the horn. We've arrived. Oh, I don't know why they have my hands. Mailbag, everybody. Oh, <laughs> Ross at holdandgive.com is where you send your emails. We kick things off. Good day, lads. I assume this email, I assume after this email, England will have won the World Cup and you're all buzzing. Well, you're a bastard. I'd need to check if he sent this after the World Cup actually happened because I've no doubt he will have done. My question is this. Will this encourage you to watch women's football more regularly? Also, what's been your favourite goal of the World Cup? Mine was Sam Kerr versus England. What a worldie. But you still lost, didn't you? <laughs> Cheers, lads. Love and hold and give and all the content. That's from Frank from Australia who also says, P.S. Up the poles. Which needs to make a comeback, but I can't find enough time in the week. Oh, like as in... Hartlepool. I was going to say, was it the mixture of Hartlepool, Blackpool and Liverpool? Oh, or are we talking like the old betting syndicate, the pools <laughs> with spot the ball? <laughs> but right, there we go. Will you be watching more women's, or watching women's football more regularly after the World Cup? Yeah, I, I went to the women's Merseyside derby, the, yeah, the first one that they held in Anfield, and it was great. It was really good, really good game of football. Um I, I do have to say I did fall in love with one of the Liverpool team, <laughs> but I was only paying attention to her because she had a really good game. And then afterwards, I was like, "Oh, fantastic! She can do it all." Yeah, she can do it all. I'm not going to name her because that would be crass. Um, but no, I'm 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 game for it, especially in a world where when I can get a ticket to the the men's game, I can afford to go. But if it's more affordable to go to the women's game than I will, I know again the next. Merseyside Women's Derby is going to be in Anfield, yeah. so I, I'll, I'll be going to it. Yeah. yeah, that's my aim for this season because the whole ticket getting process in Newcastle now is completely changed. So you're in a ballot now, mm. uh, so you're either going to get to some games, you could get to all the games you apply for, or you could get to none of the games you apply for. So that lottery of just getting tickets to Newcastle is going to see me go to more Newcastle Women's Games because they are now part of the football club. Uh, yeah, the Saudis brought them in and made them like an official part of the, the football club for the first time in their history. And Kayla, you know, Kayla from the channel, uh, she wants to get to a game at St James's Park, and that just won't happen 
with the men's team, so the women's team will be getting visited. They uh, will be getting are the women's team going to be playing from St. James's? Yeah. They, they have a couple of games a season. They're not, they've not announced any yet, but they do have yeah. a couple of games a season. I, I just had a weird moment then because I, I forgot that I don't live in the uh, Tyne and Weir area anymore. I was just like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get to a Liverpool game. I was like, <laughs> it's like you, you live back in Liverpool, Walk Jack. down the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, just to answer the question about the favourite goal at the Women's World Cup, a couple of nominations from me was Lauren James's deft volley against China. That was, oh, it was Dimitar Berbatov-esque. Yeah. Where she caressed it in the it far was corner. And also, a goal which was hammered home to me by Kayla's dad, who's a big fan of women's football. It was hammered home to me what a, a sort of like a, a momentous occasion Colombia beating Germany was, just because relative minnows compared yeah. to the might of Germany, all that sort of stuff. Linda Caicedo's goal, where she's in the box and she's just some sort of trickery and then just thwacks it in the far top corner. Yeah. That's a bit of me, that. Yeah, I, I didn't watch too much of the World Cup, uh, mainly because I'm not much of an internationals guy. You're uh, not being from Liverpool. Being from Liverpool. They're all like that. It's true, they're all like that in Liverpool. Yeah. I, did see a, a funny, <laughs> I did see a funny tweet. I did have a little chuckle after the World Cup final. Not because of the result. I wanted the women... The, I don't like the term lionesses. Why not? I just like the women's national team. Mm. I just like it. Like I like the... It's the women's national team. <laughs> we fought so hard for the women's game to be on a pedestal. They call them the women's team, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I did have a little chuckle from it because I think like spore for something, but, oh, is there anything harder than being an England fan? And a Liverpool fan just quote tweeted saying, yeah, Liverpool losing a throw-in. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, from, yeah, the the way I saw the Caicedo goal was obviously being a Liverpool fan, scrolling through Twitter, trying to find news on Moises Caicedo <laughs> at the time. I was just like, ooh, that's a bit good. But I've got to find, yeah. I'm going to uh, Google her age, not because of any weird reasons, because I think she's really young. Mm. Uh, she broke some sort of record with the goal. Linda Caicedo is 18. Oh, my God. Born on the 22nd of February, 2005. If you're a twat at 21, <laughs> you're definitely a twat at 18. Not Linda, though. Linda's putting goals without the She can Cup. twat it into the back net. Yeah, she really yeah. could. What a uh, goal it was. My one for me, because, um, yeah, Lauren James was the standout for me as well, but it was um, the free kick, Panama free kick, Martin Cox against France. Yes, it was France. Yeah. Um, and it was weird because it was and it wasn't Roberto Carlos-esque. Bit of a run-up. You said that in such a satisfying way. Say Roberto Carlos-esque again. Roberto Carlos-esque. <laughs> Not quite the, you know, 400-yard run-up that Roberto Carlos had, but, like, absolute foot-like attraction engine. But the ball kind of, like, it was weird. It hung in the air. It floated in the air and then battered into the top. Oh, it was wonderful. You've never seen a free kick hit better, have you? Probably not. Not since Roberto Carlos, at The least. only thing that kept it out of my like, two favourite goals of the tournament is the fact it didn't hit the other side of the bar. If it Ooh. hit the other side of the bar, bounced up and hit the roof of the net, that's when we're talking. I saw, I read an article the other year about why it feels more... Why, why it's fact, better. Yeah. yeah. And it's because of the margin of error, knowing that if it was like an inch higher, it would have gone. Obviously, there's the nice aesthetics, there's the ping and all that, but it's knowing that, ooh, if that was an inch more... And it's how vicious the ball comes down as well and goes straight back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. bouncy balls. Lads, Up the bouncy balls. Up the bouncy balls. Lads, which Premier League player do you think you could take in a race? I'm watching Thiago Silva plot around and I honestly think I could take him. Who are you beating? Regards, Adam. This is... Um, a bit of a low blow. Uh, I'm going to say Dominic Calvert-Lewin because he's never fit. <laughs> I'm just sad Mark Knowles retired because that's the one person I could have taken, I think. Yeah, that was a bit poo-hazery for me. But I'll, I'll try to look for the, the, the most recent 
data there is on the slowest Premier League players. Who is the slowest player on FIFA 20? Because <laughs> obviously that's a barometer of the real. Mm. Who's the slowest player in FIFA 22? The only thing I used to look at at FIFA 20 is who was higher in the aggression stakes. Was it Gattuso, Pepe or Joey Barton? That was, <laughs> that was the one I always used to look at. Wow, apparently the slowest player in FIFA 22 was Jose Fontebebe, former Southampton Portugal wow. centre-half. Uh, 38 years old he was back when this article was written, whenever it was, and he had a, a pace rate of only 32. I'll, I'll tell you, like, despite how I look, I you know... I have a, a bit of quickness to me, but even the slowest Premier League player is absolutely burning me off. But like yeah. I said, if, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not feeling fit, I'll take my chances. <laughs> apparently, according to an article by the Daily Mirror a couple of years ago, the slowest player apparently in the league, uh, the slowest recorded speeds of a sprint or something, was James MacArthur of Crystal Palace, who mm. clocked a speed of 24.776 kilometres an hour versus Fulham. Has the... I wonder who the player who sounds like they should be the fastest is, because I'm thinking of Steed Malbronk, just because obviously he's a noble Steed. Steed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until he signed for Sunderland. Or Gary Speed. Gary Speed, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Ian Rush. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Fast. Yeah. Steve Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Former Southampton manager, Steve Quickly. Barry you know, runs a bit, yeah. Let us know who you should beat in a race who currently plays in the Premier League. There must be a keeper out there who's looking a bit hefty. Burnley's substitute goalkeeper. I forget what his name was. He was the first choice last season before the signed Trafford. Murich, is it? All right, I could take him. Yeah. But as soon as you said keepers, in my head, I went, Steve Grizovich is quite old. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) He's old in the year 2000. Yeah, he also (laughs) retired 30 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, let us know who you can beat a race in the comments down below. The concept of a cult hero is a weird one, lads. But I love loving a bad player who everyone else isn't keen on isn't keen on is a bit one is is a bit of me i guess that's meant mm. to say who is your biggest cult hero and why does nobody outside of your good selves appreciate them all the best benny from scarborough just picture you... the guy from uh abba now benny tickling the ivory Ooh. is that what his name was it benny yeah benny, yeah, benny. Be- benny bjorn, benny um, bjorn. and the two last agnetta who i told sean when i saw those abba holograms came out i went sean cover your ears Actually, don't cover your ears. You need to hear this. Agneta, the hologram, is still really fit. <laughs> she just went, you're horrible. Is that the blonde one? Yeah. She was a, a child. I read this on TikTok the other day when Kayla was showing me some TikToks. So it must be true. She was the child of some sort of Nazi childbirth program. Right. <laughs> I don't know why you even she, was just, she was gorgeous in the 70s. That's all I know. <laughs> but who is the biggest cult hero in Liverpool history, in your opinion? The biggest is... Either Gary McAllister, uh, Craig Johnson, I'd say. With his mullet. With his mullet and his um, creating of the Adidas Predator boots. Uh, Divock Origi is up there. For me, my cult Liverpool player uh, was only cult for me because he was crap. And that was Sean Dundee. Um, <laughs> only because I remember when he signed, I was at my cousin's and it was a pre-season friendly and we kept going, oh, Sean Dundee, oh, Sean Dundee. <laughs> and we were just hyping it up and then Sean Dundee came on. We go, Sean Dundee! <laughs> it's so much so that the other year I got, um, for Christmas, my cousin gave me an envelope and went, here you are. And I went, oh, you've not given me money, have you? That's a, that's... We used to get each other like a white Tobler and a maybe an old wrestling figure. <laughs> and I opened it. And there's a clipping from the Liverpool Echo when Steve Staunton and Sean Dundee signed. And it was signed by Steve Staunton and Sean Dundee. And I was like, that's amazing. And it went on my fridge. And when Sean and I first started going out, she went, ooh, who are those Liverpool players? Are they good? I was like, well, Steve Staunton's quite good. But 
Sean Dundee, Sean Dundee, Sean. <laughs> and the fact you don't know, Sean Dundee, that's your new name. But oh. yeah, he, he's my cool guy, Sean Dundee. Yeah. How many times can I say Sean Dundee? I don't know. A few more. Keep doing it. Go on. Um, my uh, the To qualify being a cult hero, you have to have been bad and then done something good and out of character and unexpected and then become a cult hero. That's my journey for a cult hero. Okay. Because some people just put in people like, I've just read an article there just trying to trigger some memories in case I forgot them. Saying Tino Esprit is a cult hero at Newcastle. No. Like, nah, just, that's not the qualification. He, he, he's fondly remembered, but I wouldn't say he's a cult hero. Like no. He's too good to be a cult hero. I, I think... Gary Mack and Divock Origi are too big to be cult heroes. Yeah, Divock Origi is a fantastic modern-day example of a cult hero. I, but I don't think that's because he was bad. I think that's because everyone around him was so much better. But he was he shouldn't be scoring like the the, the, the Champions League ceiling goal, should he? Divock, yeah, Divock and so, some of the goals against uh, Everton, obviously two against Barcelona. But for yourself... My From my <laughs> fandom of Newcastle, there's two standouts. The first one is Schola from Fenham. Yeah who did some things to the Mackhams over the years because he was absolutely awful. But somehow, the only Newcastle manager between the years of the year 2000 and 2015, I think, or 14, who tried to get rid of him, good and proper, was Sam Allardyce. Every other Newcastle manager kept him around for some reason. Yeah. Alan Pardew bloody loved him. Obviously, he scored all those goals against Sunderland. I think he's the maybe the second or the first record goal scorer in Europe for Newcastle. Okay. Because of our exploits in the Champions League. He was on him and Walois. There's a backup yeah. striker for Shearer and Bellamy. They were on fire in the Champions League. And also the, the Europa campaign under Pardew, I guess you throw in there as well. And the one under Glenn Roder as well in 06 07. Who's oh, forget about Glenn Roder? Um, so the fact he did all that and stayed just at Newcastle for as long as he did, he's he's prime cult hero status. And he's a little bit funny. Yeah. He's a little bit funny. There's a video <laughs> On the Newcastle YouTube channel, like showed us a, a, a tour of the new like training ground. He just he's in the in the sauna room, the new sauna room. He's like things get a little bit steamy in here. Oh, he starts being creepy. Fantastic. And the other one's James Perch. James Perch. <laughs> James Perch signed for Newcastle in 2010 uh, from Nottingham Forest for I think it was less than a million or maybe 1.5 million. Just a utility man, you know, filling when he can at the back. I think he scored two own goals in his first few games. Everyone wrote him off, and then he came back in the 12-13 season and Pardew had a bit of an injury crisis started playing him CDM right? this guy he signed as a maybe third choice left back second choice right back third choice centre back whatever played him centre midfield and he became prime good to so the tackles he would put in <laughs> would make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up the crunch in every single one he was unreal for a little period of time and then at the end of his unreal spell we sold him to Wigan for 750 grand but for his performances the blood he shed James Perch. Prime Gattuso. And that, that holds weight with me. Gattuso is possibly my favourite player ever. Really? I love them. It's a bit good. <laughs> Sometimes maybe good. Uh, it, I think partly the fact that he was part in, he was in that Milan squad, which yeah. was amazing. He was a really good player, but the fact that he was an absolute head the ball as well. Yeah. Beautiful. That Tussley has with, what was that Portsmouth coach called? Joe Jordan. Joe Jordan. Who, each other. Uh, yeah, who apparently... Ever, Everyone who was around in the set, who was around to watch him in the seventies, said, "Oh, <laughs> you're not doing that to Joe Jordan." I but Perch, we also call him Perchino, yeah. which obviously you know taking the piss out of him because he wasn't very good, but he's yeah. also Brazilian. Um, it's just he's a fantastic man. So that'd be my two standout cult heroes at Newcastle: Shola and Perchino. Does Shola still live in the area? 
Yeah, he's Newcastle's loan manager currently. Wow, okay. He manages the loans of the players. Fantastic. He organises them. He gets them there. Do you reckon he'll be in that Adidas campaign? Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah. He would be warm with a lot of the kids. So he did between the years of 2000 2009. Oh, superb. Get him in. Yeah. Get him back in. Way <laughs> Hope the cult heroes. Let us know who your cult heroes are in the comments down below. If you want to send an email in for this illustrious podcast, it's ross at holdandgiveallthewords.com. We end with the big question, and this is a bastard I picked this week. But where's Mason Greenwood going to play next? Ooh. Who's going to take Mason Greenwood? I saw he got linked, obviously, to Saudi Arabia because that's where everyone's going. And even Steven Gerrard says, Al Etty, you know what, because we get demonetized, don't want him because of what's you know, alleged to have against his name. Yeah. So where the hell is he going to go? Because by the sounds of the statement that Richard Arnold put out, they're not going to release Mason Greenwood. They're going to have him go away from the club for a period of time with the view to coming back not once it's all blown over, but that's very much the gist I'm getting mm. from his statement. But I mean, those allegations are going to follow him for the rest of his career. Oh, yeah, rest of his life. Like, again, based all on alleged stuff, but it, it followed Stan Colley more yeah. in the 90s. Um, but we have seen players come back to the game, uh, obviously different set of stuff, but like now Ranger came back after, I'll just put it as brushes with the Lord. This isn't me downplaying anything. It's just trying to say without saying stuff. It's a weird one because the letter of the law, the the charges were dropped. That's what we've got to say there. The CPS dropped all their charges and also Greenwood denied all the charges. And Richard Arnold, who apparently led this investigation, said he was satisfied that Greenwood was innocent. Yeah. Just got to say that because that's the factual stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, And I'm a believer in rehabilitation. And I'm a believer in, you know, people getting back on with their lifestyle. Or, well, not their lifestyle, with their life and their career. But I think it's the fact that it is football where we know that even if you have an all right career, you're going to end up very well off. I think that's what changes it. Yeah. Never mind the fact it's in the public eye. Um, I don't know. I want something public. That's, I think that's where I was going with it because I was sitting there thinking, could he go to Italy or something? I'm just, I think that's irrelevant. I think him publicly showing he's doing stuff to change. Yeah. And then showing he's changed over a period of time and not going back to what he... We all heard the tapes, didn't we? I think my mm. mind was made up upon hearing them. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, but it's showing that he's not going back to that. I think that goes a long way in terms of sort of reintegrating him into football. It's, but as we, it's, it's, it's stuck to him forever now, as far as I'm concerned. It's a, a different kettle of fish. It's a different scenario. Obviously, in our other day jobs with our wrestling hats on, uh, with Jay Briscoe of Ring of Honor, said lots of really bad homophobic stuff over the years, um, but showed that he atoned and learned and grew and change so it, it it can be done obviously a different scenario because there was yeah. no criminal activity there alleged otherwise etc etc but it's a hard one because the human being inside of me thinks you know just let him get on with his life but at the same time you just like but you want something yeah you want something his status is a chance to do something Best of a like good out of a horrible situation, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It's a hard thing to put into words, isn't it, again? Yeah, I, I, I hope I haven't come across flippant or yeah. anything like that. But it's just, it is a difficult conversation. But yeah. Where's he going to go, though? I think he'll probably stay in Britain. 
Do you reckon? Yeah. I didn't say England, Britain. Maybe Scotland a bit lower. I don't know, because obviously... I'm just shocked that Saudi said no. Yeah. Of all the places to turn him down because of what he's done. And this was, I mean, again, different, but Stephen Gerrard had John Flanagan at Rangers, and John Flanagan had allegations of not as severe as Mason Greenwood, but... I didn't know that about John Flanagan. Domestic stuff allegations but was was taken by Gerard at, at Rangers anyway so mm. um I, I do think the high profile nature of it has seen some teams maybe wanting to avoid the kind of PR disaster that yeah, yeah. United have and you know that football's unscrupulous if there wasn't a PR disaster there'd be tons of teams who'd be willing for a, a player of that quality and caliber but yeah, as, as sane as you might think your own football team is there's no morals in football no no there never has been it's no. all just money unless you're like forest green rovers saint Pauli, or you know there's, there's a handful of teams but on the most part yeah no morals at all so yeah. so I, I, as i said to you now i don't I, I can't answer the question i've asked myself no Where's he going to end up? He's going to end up somewhere. I think that's what we can say. Because mm. he's not being sacked by Man United. He will. I think he'll end up back at Man United eventually. Because it feels like Richard Arnold is hell-bent on just getting him back into the fold. And yeah. he's the guy who makes all the calls on the day-to-day basis at Man United. So, Like you said, if he was like the third-choice keeper, he would have probably been sacked. Or if he was 28 or 29, they'd be like, right, you've made your money, just go away, retire. But it's, I think it's the fact that he is such a young age as well. It's... Yeah, because as we've seen, again, a completely different thing. But with the work that Trent Alexander-Arnold did highlighting players who get dropped at a young age when they've been brought up saying, you football, you football, you football, you football, now go figure it out. Mm. Obviously, if you put that on a 21-year-old, but also with this, you know, specter of everything that's happened, you don't know what effects that could have. Yeah. That could have personal effects on him if he is this kind of person that the Chargers say he was he if he was kicked out of the game completely he could go on like a kind of bitter horrible path again these are all speculative we don't know this is all what about re but unfortunately I think there are going to be more cases like this as because it's it's unfortunate it's money yeah. in the young mind isn't it yeah. because the way Again, you all heard the audio, didn't we? The way he spoke and that, it's just like there was no sense of no real life to what, because obviously he's not had a real life, has he, from no. the age of whatever, just having money thrown at him. He must think, it must be that like superiority complex of like, I'm Mason Greenwood, I play for my United, I get X amount of pounds a year and all that sort of stuff. Especially if you've been getting tell, told that since you were like eight years old as well. Yeah. But that's still no defense for what you No, of course not at all. But we heard in the in the audio at least. Um, so, yeah, it's an impossible question to answer. I don't know why I asked it. Hopefully, we'll have a happier end of the podcast next week. But I feel like this sort of thing, it, it will be easy to ignore it, like us sat here now. But I think it's important to talk about this sort of stuff when it does happen in football. Yeah, it's... As hard as it is, it's it's a bitch to be sat here talking about. Let's be honest. I know we've said it a fair few times, but you don't want to say the wrong thing, do you? No. And like, It's a hard thing to sometimes put into words in your own mind because it sometimes might... One person takes that as a different thing you're trying to say, which you're not trying to say anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Because <laughs> if this was a discussion that wasn't being recorded, obviously you can come back to it at a later date to a discussion, but because this is obviously a bit of recorded media and put out there, you can't 
converse with a, a recording, if you know what I mean, as weird as that sounds. I mean, but... for what it's worth, I'd have sacked him straight away, me. Oh, yeah. hearing that audio, yeah, gone. There's no smoke without fire. As 100%. As yeah, but that, that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, just once again, the CPS dropped all charges. Greenwood denied all charges. Uh, Richard Arnold, who led the investigation, uh, was happy that he was innocent of what he was alleged to have done. So that's mm. the factual bit out the way there. That was it. What a bastard of a question to ask. But there we go. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it, kind of. Let us know what you think in the comments down below. We'll be back next Wednesday, back not in the same room, virtually. We'll both be very tired next week. We will be both very tired next week. It'll be an incredible thing if we actually get the podcast done, actually. Thinking of the week that we've got ahead. <laughs> yeah. Watch this space. If it gets live, it's live. If it's not live, you know why it's not live. Because of our other stuff with the world of professional wrestling and a certain big event that we're both going to in different capacities in London this weekend. Hence why I'm in the studio this Hence week. Hence why he's in the studio. Because it makes sense for it to come even more north before going south. Prep, baby. Prep. <laughs> and I wanted to see him. Just like Vanilla Ice said. Definitely. Prep. No, it's the Bloodhound Gang I'm thinking of. Prep oh. baby, prep yeah. baby, come and do a podcast. Right, I'll be some... Ross, joined by Jack Atkins. Thank you for watching. Up the hole and give. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now roll VT. <laughs>